Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. <laughs> Why did I show up on camera again? What's up, Nick? What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 131 presented by Cosmic DG. Go for all your cosmic needs. Go check out CosmicDG.com. This is episode 131. Matt, we had just started. You and I were talking for about five minutes, apparently aimlessly not even into the streaming world because intern Ben, whose pay we have officially started to dock after every mess up, did it again. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that one. That one's a uh, system software fault. I usually blame Ben, but that, that was not Ben. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, there you go. I'll man. blame Ben because I'm all the way over here. I was ready. Um, yeah, I, we talked maybe aimlessly, but we got our intro a little bit more dialed in. And I have to say, Paul Macbeth just texted me. He said he's ready to go about, well, now that we're a little late, 55 minutes or so. And along with Dylan Cease, uh, with that lineup, it's hard to say this, but I'm going to say it. Sai Ananda. Is that how you pronounce it, Evan? Oh, I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's not for me to answer. Okay, so um, we have Sai Ananda lined up. She will be on in approximately 13 minutes or so, and that is going to be a fantastic interview, which, like I said, it's crazy to say. I mean, you got Paul yeah. Macbeth and Dylan Cease. By the way, Dylan's the opening day pitcher for the Chicago White Sox next week, like seven, six, seven days out. That's what he's doing. And he's joining our show tonight. Wow. So pretty awesome. So yeah, news when it comes to Dylan and Paul. So if you hadn't seen it on Instagram, we are going to talk about it later, but they had dropped some big news about they acquired something down in the Florida area, but we're going to let them really spill the beans on it. And so anyways, beautiful day here in Virginia, 75 degrees. Evan, what did we uh, see or miss? With the uh, disc golf world this weekend, I mean, some of us saw it, some of us might have missed it. What happened? Yeah, we had a disc golf pro tour silver event go down this weekend in Houston, Texas. Uh, that marks the third straight uh, disc golf pro tour event in Texas, and now uh, we're off for a week uh, and leaving the state of Texas. But uh, we had the Innova Open at t- the Texas State Disc Golf Championship. I think I got that title right. A lot of people know it as Texas States, but they did call it the Innova Open, so it's a little bit tricky. You might see both. Um, But as people know, we have Sayananda coming on the show. She took it down in FPO. It is her first Disc Golf Pro Tour victory uh, in her 100th PDGA event. I find that very cool. Um, But she has joined the winner's circle on tour, uh, beating some notable names, including Kristen Tatar, Owen Scoggins, Holland Hanley, Katrina Allen. I can go on. It was an incredibly strong field uh, for a silver event but side takes it down she had the lead going into the final round and holds off krista tatar who interesting enough might have been the pick going into the final round um but she was not able to make a comeback against side uh krista tatar was i believe she was trailing by four strokes going in the final round and she has never actually had a comeback uh, on tour from four strokes uh in on, on tour into the final round. Um, I think she has 15 attempts with three or more strokes trailing and has yet to get that win. I found that interesting uh, looking it up because a lot of people are like, uh, got to watch out for Kristen Tatar behind. Uh, and as great as Kristen Tatar is, we haven't seen a kind of monumental comeback. Uh, we did see a, a two stroke one at Waco, but maybe not a three or four stroke or more. Uh, over in MPO, we have Calvin Heinberg taking it down. 
he might be the hottest player in disc golf right now. He has not finished off the podium all season long. Uh, he is number one in disc golf pro pro tour points. He's number one in the, the stat Mando power rankings and DG rankings. Uh, however you look at it, he's kind of number one as of late, uh, doesn't seem to be stopped and is not looking like he's dropping off anytime soon. We had Anthony Barella get a podium spot along with Joel Freeman and James Proctor. Oh, excuse me. James Proctor finished fourth. Um, but he finished right up in there. Uh, Alden Harris coming in fifth, which is a cool um, one for a friend of the Nick and Matt show. Uh, interesting enough, Gannon Burr, who just won in Austin, finished down in 19th. That's one of his lowest silver finishes uh, in his career. Uh, here's an interesting little tidbit. He has not finished in the top 10 at any Texas-based silver event. He's over two. But at every other silver event he's played outside of Texas, He's 100% making the top 10, six for six. Uh, I find that really neat. Not that it really uh, is very telling. He, of course, won an elite event the weekend before, uh, but interesting enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got more, but I'm, uh, let me <laughs> no, break do it. and let do you it. guys hop in. No, do it. We want, you, we want you to bring it on. <laughs> All right. Okay. Here's a, here's a stat that I just found just 30 minutes before the show started. Uh, if you're watching live, you may have seen a tweet about it, but I wanted to share it. Uh, last year, I, many of us knew that Sayananda actually had the longest bogey-free streak on tour at 66 holes. She did that all within U.S. Women's, which was one of her best finishes to date uh, before this uh, great win. Uh, but 66 holes all in one event in U.S. Women's is the longest bogey-free streak last year. This year, the longest bogey-free streak is also held by Sayananda at 37 holes. She went from Austin in round two, or the open at Austin in round two, up until round one at Texas State's going 37 holes without a bogey. Uh, she bogeyed hole 16 in round one, and then immediately following went on a 26-hole bogey-free stroke. A uh, bogey-free streak, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> but I don't even know what I said. Uh, something weird that I hear laughing in the background. <laughs> bogey-free stroke. Stroke, okay. Yeah. Not that bad, cool. Uh, <laughs> if you add those together, that's 63 uh, whole, uh, bogey-free whole streak combined of those two, if you exclude that one hole, which uh, was just three strokes. Uh, three stri wait, three holes. Oh, my goodness. He's I having a stroke. I think point. he's having a stroke. And, and stroke streaks, there's too many of these. It brings me back to the She field. went bogey-free a lot of times in a row. I'll I, leave it at that. It brings me back to the field of strength talk and all that. It's pretty yeah. good. We're, we're oh getting, God. Yeah. yeah. We have found my kryptonite as far. I, there's a lot of kryptonite with me speaking <laughs> yeah. and monologuing. I try not to do it too often. <laughs> Once a week. But, uh, I'll also drop uh, for, this might be the first time many people are hearing of Sayananda. She's been playing uh, on tour. I'll say since 2017, uh, she played Beaver State Fling, her first national tour event in 2017, finished top 10. She This was actually her 10th top 10 finish on tour. So it, it, she's not some brand new newcomer, although you might be hearing her for the first time. This was her first win. She has a cash rate of 73% on tour uh, and has some great finishes and really consistent finishes uh, before this big win. Mm. So uh, you gave a great recap. Realistically, we don't need to talk about it, but I just thought it was interesting. The Calvin Heimberg is hot this season. Now, hot this season is relative to what, a few events here, but I feel like no credit to me, but I think last year, you know, my picks of he's the least winningest person, all this, it was just getting them down. I think me starting out the season with like picking Calvin is all he needed to really just that confidence, man. So 
Yeah. Calvin, I'm sorry about the previous hey. years, but this is your year, I think. I got one more, at least for now, uh, Calvin Heimberg stat about his win. He won by six strokes. I didn't mention that in the recap, but a, a big win uh, from the silver field. That's his largest margin of victory uh, of his career on tour. Wow. That was his, uh, well, I got to add up real quick. That would, would have been his 10th tenth win, including silver, uh, majors, elite, and silvers. 10th win on tour. Uh, his previous best win margin was two, so it over triples it. It was his first really, like, I'll say blow away win. Uh, you know, we, he was in the driver's seat. Probably it was probably kind of over since like hold 12 or 14. And, and he was in a uh, comfortable position even before that, uh, the rest of his wins have really felt like they, they come right at the end. And I mean, we saw in Vegas, he wasn't even leading going into the last hole, but wins by two strokes. So that's what we've kind of seen in the past. So it's really cool to see him get this really just like monumental big win. Boring. No, <laughs> Frank, the hot I think, takes. Uh, yeah, realistically, I think one last thing before we bring Cy on, I think one last thing to really talk about the tournament is this was also a throw pink qualifier event and USDGC qualifier event. Um, so just kind of shouting out the people, Anthony Barella, James Proctor, Alden Harris, and Aaron Gossage punching their ticket in on the MPO side and on the FBO side. Cy Nanda got it from this win at Texas States. And then is it just one for the FPO side? Just one spot. Ooh. Is it just one spot? That's what I'm seeing on you. Yes. Size nodding yes not in sure. the green room. <laughs> oh, all right. I thought I thought they did two spots. I thought it was four and two. But I guess it's just one spot. So anyways, Sai punched her ticket in to the throw pick and bed. So one of the kind of perks about playing a lot of the events throughout the tours, you have multiple opportunities um, with some players coming very close to qualifying for the event, especially on the MPO side. And picking up a win. <laughs> kind of makes it nice and easy. You don't have to yeah. uh, play out yeah, those tiebreakers and have people who already qualified finish above you. If you just win, you're in, and that's cool. Right. <clears throat> so a few notes here before we get to the interview. Um, you may know the remember the name Doug Bjerkis. Well, mm-hmm. he was the president of Dynamic Discs up until just recently, and now he joins the PDGA in what he called a director-level role. And my understanding is, without talking to him, that he's going to be helping significantly with the majors, the events. Now, if you know anything about him, that's big part of what he did at Dynamic Discs. Everything from the Dynamic Discs, open the glass, blown open, um, large, large quality events, running um, majors, as in worlds, um, both the junior level, and I think it would have been at the pro open level as well. So... That's something worth noting. I don't know if we're going to spend a lot of time talking about it, but he's going over to help the PDGA. I think that is a wonderful move for the PDGA um, for the quality of their majors. Um, one other note here before we get into the interview. Uh, you may have seen it going around a bit. Uh, Katrina Allen is on record now publicly as noting her opinion and stance towards transgendered women competing in the FPO division. Um, there is what is called, and I don't pronounce this right, I'm sure, but uh, Amakai Curai. <laughs> it's, like it's like a memo, if you will, uh, to the Supreme Court for open cases that are there. Currently, um, Katrina Allen's on that list, and so are 67 other female athletes, coaches, sports officials, and parents of female athletes um, so you had Sarah Hokum also on this list, as well as a handful of other FPO players who may not be as well known, um, but significant nonetheless, as nobody had been speaking up um, 
either for or against it in the FPO division. We do know the PDGA interviewed or not interviewed, uh, sent a poll out to members. We do know that there were FPO players who responded to that, but nameless. To this point, that is the first uh, notable in, in that regards. I'm not sure what will happen with that, but I just wanted to point that out. That is interesting that that name is in a Supreme Court document at this point. So, mm-hmm. well, um, we're, Tatar's returning to Estonia. She's on her way back probably right now. It takes a while to get back there, and apparently her flight was unknowing to her originally canceled. guess there was some strike or something from her airline, and now she had to get another flight, but she's on her way back for a break, which is going to be short, and then she'll return back to the U.S. to compete. Um, all right, Nick, uh, tell us about um, tonight's, one of well, one of tonight's awesome sponsors of the show. Um, we're going to talk about players meeting tell us all about the players meeting yeah so the players meeting we've talked about this before in the past it is a weekly newsletter that comes out actually now during the season twice a week uh one of the biggest things it's really realistically it's your best if you're trying to catch up on disc golf in about five minutes and you like to read in the morning check out the players meeting.com sign up with your email that's how you subscribe to it doesn't cost you any money you just subscribe to it you get weekly newsletters on what's going on in the disc golf world rather than listening to the two-hour podcast with the nick and matt show or grip locked or anything like that you are able to digest what's going on in the disc golf world twice a week tuesdays and thursdays um at the players meeting weekly newsletter yeah check it out subscribe to it it's awesome i i do subscribe to it and one of the things i read lately or the most recent was james quote not a doctor unquote proctor (laughs) and that's a name that's been coming up a lot lately and the way that they write this just to give you a little taste of it since the season started you've likely heard those names thrown around dr proctor or the proctologist james proctor is no doctor but he's a (laughs) clinician in distance shot shaping and being an all-around great guy and then it goes on for one more line here for the uninitiated his history runs deep especially on the west coast and up until last year he held a full-time job while being a weekend warrior in the 1040 rated club and then he goes on here's his off the story uh off the course story so on and so forth anyways he brings up lots of great topics like that in this players meeting document takes four and a half minutes to read this whole newsletter it's not long but you get packed with all the information you want to know about the disc golf world twice a week exactly all right cool well we've made it to that time Uh, i'm really excited to do this we're going to welcome to the show everybody uh sai ananda the winner of I don't know the full name. The Texas the State Innova Open. There you go. Innova oh. Open. Texas State Disc Golf Championship. Welcome to the show, Cy. Great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and it is the Innova Open at Texas State. Gotcha. Okay. It's actually you the know DGBT it, won Silver. It, so we're gonna take your Okay, yeah, no, you're you're yeah, that's official. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna take your word for it. Um, really quick, I think a lot and we wanna make sure that we don't mispronounce it, just is it Ananda, Ananda? How should we say the last name? Um, soft A's. So Ananda. Okay. <laughs> I am so horrible with enunciation. Whose name did I mess up last time? It was... Um, uh, Probably Lukia. Oh, that's a good one, too. That's a good one, too. There no. was Hannah, um, Hannah Bazooka, Bazooka Tom. Oh, Win. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Win. Yeah. So... But Tom, I, who thinks a last name like Tom, you could just say Tom, but he's like, no, you got to pronounce it like Tom. 
anyways, oh. there's yeah. they're good good names. Um, we're gra- great to have you on. I'm gonna be honest. We've heard your name for a few years, but man, we don't know much about you. I mean, Evan had all the stat research on you, but I know that our I listeners the stat research. Yeah, Stat Mando doing great things over there. Um, but we got to kind of start besides saying congratulations, we do want to talk about that win. Um, but let's just get into a little bit of where you come from and who you are. Well, um, I come from Spokane, Washington in the Northwest. Um, we've got a lot of park courses and a lot of kind of like wooded courses. So that's kind of the golf I grew up with. Um, I started playing really casually in like 2009 i want to say and then as the years progressed to like 2010 and 2011 i started to get a little bit more focused on the technical part of the game and kind of like if i threw better this would be way more fun than throwing 90 feet at a time and then having everybody watch me you know just stand there and be like okay and so i was really motivated to like get better, have better skills so I could have more fun on the course and just kind of like enjoy myself. So that was like a huge motivator, probably back in like 2010 and 2011. And I was just a little goober that liked to play out in the woods and stuff like that. And, you know, I enjoyed the flight of the disc and having a little picnic and just like being out in the woods. So that was kind of the the big start for me was just enjoying disc golf and, and liking it as a recreation, basically. And then um, I started to get just kind of like, I don't know, it's not like it was a bug that hit me instantaneously. It was like it was a little viral disease that just like slowly crept in. And then all of a sudden I was doing field work. And then all of a sudden I was doing form analysis on YouTube. And all of a sudden I was watching slow-mos with my dad and stuff like that. And so all of a sudden I went from this really casual junior, like little girl player to all of a sudden like... I really like disc golf and I love all the technicalities and my dad and I, I remember um, I lived in a small town called Cheney. It's where Washington state university is or Eastern Washington university is my bad. And so um, my parents went to school there. So we would always go out to the recreational fields that they had for like rugby and baseball and football and stuff like that and soccer. So we would always go out to those fields and just take out all of our discs and throw them as far as we possibly could and that was just like such a wonderful time just to go out in the summer and then even sometimes at night the football players would play um, and have their practice late but then they would leave all of the stadium lights on so we would go get to do field work at night on like this beautiful field so that was kind of the start for me and then I guess it just kind of took off from there. I played my first um, women's global event as a junior and I won it locally and I won it globally. And uh, I got sent like a mini and I got a free pair of shoes and I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is incredible. I didn't know I could like be so good at this. And then it, so that was in 2012. And then I played my first chick flick and I, I basically played an all women's event to start, you know, I, so that was the environment that I wanted. And it was so much fun to just see other girls throwing and see other girls playing. And so 2012 and 2013 were, that was like the roots, you know, that was the ground where I started playing. Wow. And then it just kind of was exponential from there in my junior career. And then, 
um, I think I had a few good wins in my junior career. Um, I got to win um, Junior Worlds in 2014, which was super huge for me. Um, I went again in 2015, and I ended up tying for third place. Um, congratulations to Kaylee Campbell, who won that year. It was super awesome to watch her play. She was phenomenal. And then in 2016, I was, you know, a lot of time passed, and I was serious about disc golf. And so I told myself that if I won Am Worlds, that was it, and I was going to go pro. So in 2016, I won Am Worlds for my second world title, and that was that was it. I, I never really looked back. I think I declined cash once at a local event. That way, I could keep my amateur status to make that event, and then. From there, in um, 2016, that's kind of when the the rocky road kind of started for me and my my battle to kind of realize my my potential and my my dreams as a professional player in disc golf. Wow, I said wow in the middle of all that too, and I mean wow in a very positive way. You're giving us more content than we could have asked for, so I appreciate that very much. It's incredible to get to know you in this way. Um, one of your friends, I hope you don't mind, M Melody Bailey. You, you know Melody? Yes, I love her. She's my best friend. <laughs> oh, there you go. Awesome. So um, I may or may not have reached out to her and asked her for some insight on you so we could get some better questions out there. So <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, so shout out to your local crew back there, uh, including Hannah Wynn, Nicole Johnson, Shauna Buzzingham. You probably know all these names um, as well as Melody. Monica Milstead. Okay, there you go. As well as Melody, of course. Um, these are all sponsored players. Um, she mentioned, and I, I'm just going to quote her, that you were the young one who always strived to be at their level. <laughs> and I don't know if she intended for me to read that, but is that how you kind of saw it coming up in that local area? I, I was. And it was uh, Melody Bailey was actually the first female pro that I ever got to play with at women's global event. So they did like mixed cards. So they had like a junior and a advanced and like a you know, and a pro to kind of like mix it up for the first tea times and stuff like that. So she was the first pro I ever really got to play with. And ever since then, I was like, wow, I want to play with pro women. I want to play with women with that skill and that determination. And that just like, I, I just remember her watching her throw and watching her putt and just being like, oh, you're so cool. <laughs> Yeah. And, and so that was all from like your local areas, I understand it. So when you were playing events, it wasn't a walk in the park to start getting your event wins, right? No, not at all. Melody Bailey at the time was a touring player. Um, and so she was out there competing with the best of the best and having really good finishes. And she was she was at a really good point in her career. So that was so amazing for me to kind of have her to like bridge the gap between where I was locally and like where I wanted to be professionally because she was out there competing with the the top level players and then I got to play with her so that was like a really huge like moment for me to really like take in a lot and just like learn from her what she was doing the decisions she was making the aggressive plays because I've always been a very conservative player so then I watch her like just smash things with a rock all the way and pipe it down the fairway and, and run those 45 foot putts and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, okay. So, so that's what it takes to kind of like be in the FPO field. No, no layups or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Well, you demonstrated that at this event. Um, Nick, what do you got? 
Well, I was going to say, I mean, obviously, congratulations on the huge win. Um, we know this means a lot to you in your career that's going to just have a very, very bright future to it. Um, you're sponsored by Westside, and not a lot of players out in the tour. You don't really see too many of them. Matteo, yourself, um, talk to us about how the relationship started with Westside, and then are they doing anything, you know, to kind of commemorate this win? Uh, well, I actually started out with Latitude 64. Latitude 64 was my first like official disc manufacturing sponsor when I turned pro in 2016. So that was a really huge moment for me. And even though in 2016, I was really, I was traveling as much as possible, but I was really keeping it in the Northwest and just kind of, you know, playing as many A tiers as possible and just kind of getting as much experience as I, as I possibly could in the local area. And I, at that time I was still um, relying on my parents financially to help me get to events and stuff like that. And then working little side jobs as, as much as I possibly could. So Latitude 64 was kind of where it all started with me with Trilogy. And I was with them for six years and it was, it was so awesome. You know, it, it was like, I don't know, it's dorky to say, but it was like that moment where you're like, I'm a pro now. <laughs> I got a disc sponsor, you know, like it's kind of official, you know, yeah. and it's so that really like helped me feel like a pro and kind of like start to grow into that mentality of like, I am, I am a professional. And so I was with them for six years. And during those six years, I was just trying to do more and better every single year, more and better, more tournaments, better finishes, and just test myself, push myself as much as I possibly could, not only in disc golf, but, you know, in, in my life, you know, see how much I can work, see how much I can do to rally funds, to put myself out there and, and just give it a go. And so I ended up reaching out to Beacon Sports Management because I'm, I don't know, I guess I'm just kind of a small town girl. And sometimes the navigation of the contracts and the the social media and stuff like that is not something I have like a solid grasp on. So I wanted to see if I could find someone to someone insightful who could kind of help me navigate this circuit of sponsorships and endorsements and stuff like that. So my dad actually ended up reaching out to him and just kind of laid my story out a little bit and was like, Hey, you know, like, is there anything you can do to help her out? She's, you know, obviously a really great player and she shows a lot of skill and she just needs a chance to go out there and show people, you know, the skills that she has. So I eventually reached out to him myself and kind of just hit it off and, and told him, you know, a little bit of, you know, my junior story and then kind of from 2016 on, which is kind of a, I mean, to put it lightly, a little bit of a struggle bus, you know, from, from when my professional career started when I won Amworlds. And so I reached out to him and he was like, I love your story. I see you playing out there and I believe in you and I think you've got the stuff and I want to help you, you know, get the support that you need so you can go out there and kind of like show your stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so Beacon Sports Management was like super duper huge. And within a couple of weeks, he had reached out to Westside Discs and Westside Discs had reached out to Latitude 64 and kind of, you know, did a little bit of the background work and Latitude 64 ended up giving their blessing to switch me over to Westside Discs um, to get me a contract to kind of 
propel me a little bit more um, out on tour, just a little bit more financial support. And then obviously the, the wonderful tour series discs and um, the Dimax, Dimax. See, I'm having my word things too now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so they were just able to give me that little bit of financial backing that I, I desperately needed because last year and the year before and the year before that, it's all been self-generated it's all been you know money out of my pocket that i'm spending on registration fees and i'm spending on lodging and i'm spending on gas and food and and everything so up until last year i was working full-time i was my own trainer i was my own dietitian you know i was my own motivational speaker on some days and stuff like that i was my own tour manager and so i was i was doing it all myself and it's you only have so many seconds and so many hours in the day, you know? So it's like, I, I, I could only afford to work so much to save up the money I needed to go play. And so that's why people always said, wow, we don't see Sayananda very often, but when we do, she sure lights it up. Or, you know, like my, my performance at us women's and stuff like that. A lot of people had never heard of me before that, you know, 66 holes bogey free. And I've always kind of been there under, you know, behind the curtains and, and underneath kind of doing my thing. But just it, it's it's kind of paradoxical where it's like you need support to get out there and prove yourself. But they want you to get out there and prove yourself before you get the support. So I was just so immensely grateful that Westside Discs took that took that little bit of a leap on me and said, hey, we'll, we'll give you that backing and we'll see what you can make of it and <laughs> you kind of see you know what what i've been able to do with just that that little bit of extra support yeah exactly and you mentioned the grind of the tour and the I, i'll i'm not going to put words in your mouth but how does a win like what you just had does it change it does it change your perspective what does it do for your uh future thoughts i mean honestly I don't know, I don't want to sound corny, but it's kind of just feels like where I'm meant to be. You know what I mean? I, it's all, all of the time that I spent, you know, like watching coverage and watching all the events that I wanted to go to. And then I'd go to U.S. Women's and I, I'd always play Worlds. You know, U.S. Women's and Worlds are huge. And then I'd play as many of the big tournaments as I could that were in the Northwest, you know, like the Beaver State Flings, the Portland Open, and in the Montana and California area and stuff like that. So honestly, the win, it, it almost kind of feels like a homecoming, you know? It, it feels like I have been, like, visualizing and mentally putting myself in this position for so long like you know every every tournament that I've played back home I always imagine like that I always kind of put myself in the position of like what would what would that have been like if it were a big major event or you know when I win a little local a tier what 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 if that was a big you know event so I've just been like visualizing myself in this position like I, I think I said in uh in the interview with um, Nate Perkins you know like this interview this round, this win, like, this is all what it's been for just to be here right there. So honestly, I just feel like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I'm so, so thankful that I get to spend the rest of the year on tour. 
Well, I, I guess that was going to kind of bring up my next question is over the past couple of years, you haven't played, you know, an insane amount of events every single year working, you know, all those good things take time away. But um, are you planning on the full season this year? Is this legitimate? You're you're out there full time on the road. It's legit. It's legit. Um, I get to go home. I'm on my way home right now. Um, and I think I'll get to spend like three and a half weeks at home, just kind of resting, recuperating and getting rid of all of the boots and socks and pants and thermals that I've had to use in the last couple of tournaments and swap them out for skirts and dresses and stuff like that. And then I think I have a small break in July as well, where I get to come home and rest a little bit. Um, and, but other than that, you know, I'm, I plan on touring full time. And, uh, like you mentioned earlier, I made it to the throw pink USDGC. Mm -hmm. So I'm so excited for that. And then, um, maybe I will make the, um, disc golf pro tour point series finale at the end of the year. We'll see how that goes too, but yeah, officially on tour and, and swinging. <laughs> awesome. I think, uh, I mean, we've kind of dug in a little bit about your life now, getting into disc golf, where you're at now in disc golf. Talk to us about that final round. You're going against some heavy, heavy hitters that are in the FBO division, one of them being Kristen Tatar, reigning world champion, incredible player. What are the feelings like going into that final round and then being able to pull out the win towards the end of it, but just kind of walk us through what was going on that whole round? Man, I, I've looked up to these players for a really long time. I mean, I, I follow Holland Handley on Instagram and I follow all of her like sidearm tips. I'm trying to work on my forehand. So like the utmost respect for Holland and just like I, I her her tips have genuinely helped my form and stuff like that. So that's been super awesome. I mean, own freaking own freaking Scoggins, <laughs> mm -hmm. like an absolute gangster in disc golf just like a putting phenom one of my putting idols essentially and i i love watching her play so much and i mean kristen tatar the number one player in the world right now just it was unreal it was so unreal to go to go into that round with the lead i just all I could think was, man, if there's strokes out there for these ladies to get, they're going to try for it. They're going to try and take it, and they're going to try so hard for this win because they want it just as much as I do. And so I honestly kind of just had to put, put those kind of anticipatory feelings aside a little bit because when it comes down to it, it's just the throws. You know, the, the win is amazing and the crowd is amazing and the support is amazing. And, and obviously there's so much emotion and there's, there's so much tied to the event in and of itself. But when it comes down to it, it's just the throws. It's just one throw at a time. It's just one putt at a time. And so I really tried to distill and not think about the fact that I have the number one player in the world. There was a meme that came out that was like objects in mirror are closer than they appear. <laughs> and like yeah, anyone yeah. in FPO who has the lead and then like Kristen Tatar just like booking it behind you. And that was real. That was definitely real. She has so many, she has so much skill and an amazing forehand and amazing putter and just like an incredible person and someone I look up to just in, in general and so just to get back to it, I just tried to distill everything and 
and just kind of believe in myself, you know, like I, I've been making great putts so far, you know, and I've, I've made great putts before. And the course I think was very similar to courses I've played in the past. Uh, like I think some people have commented it's a park course, you know, flat, no real elevation change except for the two mound holes, open greens, and then just some technical shots that you kind of have to shape down the fairway, which I think definitely suits my game. And so I just told myself to just kind of breathe and stay calm as much as possible, you know, try not to get too far ahead of you, not only focus on each shot that I had, but stay engaged with each player's shot. That way I don't get too ahead of myself and kind of get into an anxious state or kind of get stuck in the past thinking about a, a previous hole or a previous shot or something like that. Really tried to, I mean, it's corny, but really tried to stay in the moment and engaged with my players and the card and the course and check the wind as much as possible and just one one throw at a time, one putt at a time and just try to um, trust myself and have faith in, in every throw that I kind of put out there. And I, I, I don't know if, if I were watching me and I were another person and I were to look at the lineup on the final round, and it would have been like, who do you think is going to win? <laughs> I'm pretty sure my cards would have been on Kristen. Yeah. Pretty sure my cards would have been on her. So I I absolutely surprised myself. And, I'm, you know, I mean, I don't want to be too corny, but I am proud of myself for being able to not only play a really good round, put myself in position, but then to, like, not succumb to the nerves and everything that that tournament means to me and not get too ahead of myself and to actually to like do it <sighs> so insane so insane <laughs> um so fantastic by the way we have questions written down and you just answer them all in one swoop which is great and this is what we want on here <laughs> uh, less of us more of you um so you seem to be pretty detail oriented this is something i've just recognized just already in getting to meet you tonight virtually um, do you teach yourself the game? I, I think I heard you earlier mention you looked maybe when you were younger, YouTube and all that, you started evaluating. Do you record yourself? How are you learning to be a better player? Um, I think there's a lot of studies to suggest that visualization has a huge impact on mental and physical performance. So that's something really huge in my practice is visualization and kind of um, mentally putting myself in certain scenarios or even when it comes to breaking down my form, just kind of having that top-down view of my own body, you know, drone style and just kind of watching my arm, watching my pull through and being able to visualize myself kind of where my release point is and where I'm hitting lines. So that's a huge part of my practice is just kind of like visualization and kind of mentally integrating a lot of the things that I practice. And then, I mean, it, uh, yeah, there is some um, form analysis uh, and videoing myself and stuff like mm -hmm. that. My, my dad used to be into street skating and snowboarding a lot. And so back in the day, we had a little VHS player and he would, he was into snowboarding. And so he would like break VHS players because he would go pause, rewind, <laughs> slow-mo. 
pause, rewind, slow-mo. And he would just watch uh, a snowboarder or a skater and he would just like break down their movements in slow motion. And so I think that had a lot of um, influence on me going into disc golf because my dad caught the bug as well. He's a very passionate and avid disc golfer as well. And so both him and I got really, really excited about it. So we basically did the same thing, but without VHS. You know, I remember watching slow-mo videos of Will Schustrick back in the day and just really, like, analyzing his form. And even slow-mo videos of Nico LaCastro. When he first came on the scene and was, like, the it player, his form was unique and different than anyone else's and the flight characteristics that he chose. So, and I mean, of course, you know, slow motion videos of Paige Pierce and Paul Macbeth back in the day were, you know, huge inspirations for me in kind of picking out those minute little movements and stuff like that. And so I think for a long time, I watched a lot of other players and then I started to kind of turn that focus inward and taking slow-mo shots of myself or getting drone footage of myself with like some local camera crews and stuff like that. And so video analysis is super huge. Um, I need to do that more on my putts. I only do it really on my drives. There's not a lot of video analysis on my putts, but um, yeah, so video analysis, um, visualization, a little bit of field work. But honestly, I don't really like to overdo field work because I feel like I, I do different things in the field that I would on the course. So if I'm trying to work something out, I'll definitely go out to a wide open field and throw. But honestly, a lot of my practice is um, on the course or I like to participate in local leagues so I can be, you know, competitive with the boys. <laughs> and that's, that's really fun. Um, competing in local leagues is really awesome just to get practice with that, like competitive side of disc golf, not like so much the technical side, but getting used to being on the card and not only staying focused on your game, but staying engaged with the other players on your card, I think is really huge. Disc golf is like a gentleman's sport. So if you're just sitting there head down, only throwing and you're not really talking to anybody it doesn't for me that doesn't really embody you know the spirit of disc golf you obviously want to be focused and you know engaged in your throws but it's also important to be supportive and kind of like recognize other players and be engaged in in their game a little bit as well so visualization a little bit of field work a lot of course practice and a lot of competitive practice at um, local leagues and putting leagues is super fun uh, as well. So that's kind of what I like to do. And then I guess I like to cross train a little bit sometimes, you know, I don't like to just play disc golf. I'll, I've got a little balance board that I like to just to work on, you know, hip movements and, and core stability and stuff like that. And so I just try to keep it, um, keep my creativity. I think the mental part of it is super huge, especially since I've been playing for about 10 years, the, the changes that I'm making in my form anymore aren't huge. I'm not making these, these big strides in distance or these big strides in my putting form. I think my sidearm definitely has a way to go, but at this point, the, the main growth is, is here and, and it's here. So that visualization and that competitive practice is all training my mind and kind of, you know, my, my heart, you know, preparing myself for those intense, you know, moments where those, where those putts and those throws matter so much. 
I, I think that answers the question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It answers like five more questions that we probably had lined up as well. So it's perfect. This, this, I'm, everyone... I'm not bad at talking. <laughs> no, no. And, it, and it's great because everyone, everyone always dogs, especially on Matt. I'm going to call Matt out just for fun right now, but everyone always dogs on Matt, just kind of like taking over interviews and, you know, maybe talking too much. People are joking that Matt's like punching the air right now. Anyways, all in good fun. But um, no, when we have a, a guest who can just kind of take our question, but then really elaborate on it it's it's really nice when you're not battling with the yes or no kind of questions it, i could ask you hey what's going on you'd say yes and then but you would also give me 10 more sentences which in our lives makes it a lot easier and a lot more enjoyable for the people watching the show right now well, i guess kind of one more you know just question that i had after this big win this is probably something that was on your list of goals for the year what other goals do you have going into the 2023 season yeah, I, I didn't think I would hit this goal this soon, just to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I was trying to keep it, you know, reasonable, realistic. I'd, I'd love a top 10 finish, and I was able to accomplish that. And then I'm like, oh, I, I would love a top five finish or, you know, like a, a top card finish at the end of the at the end of the rounds. You know what I mean? And so I think those are going to continue to be my goals in kind of um and kind of a play for par and the birdies will come, you know, play for top 10, play for top five and, and put myself in position. And when it's my day, I, 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 I struggle. Cause I think I want to say it was James Conrad who said the quote where it's like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to keep putting myself out there and keep trying to put myself in position. And one day it's going to be my day. And when it's your day, you, you, you know when it's your day, when you can't do anything wrong, you hit a tree and it kicks you closer to the basket. And there's just an X factor in disc golf where sometimes it's kind of just your, your magic moment. So I think the goals kind of stay the same. I'm just going to hope for solid top 10 finishes, hope to continue my caching streak. <laughs> there you go. Um, and then hope to continue to just play some solid golf and, and put myself in that position to, you know, take positions if I can. And then if not, you know, just try and play some, some clean golf and hopefully live up to this whole bogey free circle two putting <laughs> reputation I have earned so far. <laughs> there you go. So you, you didn't know because you're not looking at the chat right now, but we do have a live chat. We have a good number of people in there live right now as well. Paige Pierce joined the chat, shout out to Paige. And she said, sick when those putts were fire. So there you go from Paige Pierce herself. That's that's an honor coming from a fire putter herself. Yes, a five-time world champion. So there you go. Um, they're looking up to what you're, you've accomplished. Great job. Um, so tell us about, I guess, cats. Do How do they help you? Cats. You're finding stray cats the first time you went to Texas. Oh, feline. Something. Yeah. Feline. Yeah. yeah. Actually, yeah. Feline. Let's okay. go. I was like, I'll, I'll use I was like merch? Yeah, like, no, I'll, I'll use what the cats musical? are you talking about? I'll use the word <laughs> felines. From now on, when I'm talking about a cat, it will be feline. So tell us about these fine felines you found. So you found one in Texas the first time you ever went and you adopted it? Tell us about that. Yeah, so I mean, it's funny that it's gotten around because I haven't really promoted about it. I know Erica posted about it on her her timeline, Erica Stinchcomb, a little bit. I was with her, um, and oh, bless my heart, I was with um, a photographer named Kevin. I can't remember his last name. Super cool guy. Hoover. Um, but I was with him and Erica Stinchcomb, and we were on hole fifteen of the Beast, and we had thrown our drives out. And then we're, we're all standing at our drives, looking at the basket, 
going to like throw our approaches and then we all just kind of like is that a cat down on the green right now and then erica was funny and she's like well i guess i'm not throwing my approach now because <laughs> no one you're not gonna you're not gonna throw approach in, towards a cat that's just no. if there's a bad omen that is one and so we just pick up our lives and we walk towards the basket and there's just this cute little dude just walking around and he comes up to us all like cheery tail up trotting at us rubbing up against our legs and we're like like our hearts are literally melting like both erica and i are like <laughs> like all the squeaky like girl noises you could imagine coming from me were coming from me <laughs> and he just turned out to be the coolest freaking cat so he followed us through seven holes we didn't have to carry him. I mean, we kind of coaxed him a little bit. And like, oh, come here. Come on. Go, go. But like, he literally just followed us through seven holes. And so the whole time, Erica and are like, what do we do? What do we do? Like, who gets to take him? And I guess I just kind of like grabbed him and was like, if nobody else wants this cat, I will, I will take this cat. I will gladly take this cat. Like, for sure. He was so nice. Like, you could just pick him up. And he was fine with it. We put him in a bag and he was like, yeah, I don't really want to be in a bag. He would just like be right at your ankles as you were making a putt. And he's just so, so cool. I, I could go on about how cool this cat is. He was litter trained. Didn't have to deal with that. I just put some litter in a box and then set it in front of him. And he was like, cool. Thanks. Got this. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was camping at the time. So I just kind of took him back to my campsite and we had a little enclosed, um, I guess you could call it a cabin, but it had like mesh walls. And so I just brought him in and was like, all right, here you go, man. This is the place where you're chilling now. And he just kind of walked the border of the cabin and then sat down. Totally fine. He like when I drove him, when I drove him home to my campsite from the course, he literally fell asleep face first on a bag of chips <laughs> just in the back of my prius while we're driving he's just like mm, this is a cool spot i'm gonna lick my i'm gonna clean myself a little bit and take a nap you guys seem cool this is all right and <laughs> so i got a harness from him for him at walmart i got a leash for him and I've got a little cat backpack coming on Amazon. And uh, yeah, so I guess this is the official introduction. <laughs> um, his name is Waco Bagul. He has two names. Nice. And he is going to be my my tour buddy, basically, for, for the rest of the season. <laughs> that insight came from Melody, by the way. I have to give her credit. She said, ask <laughs> yeah. about the cat. No, the feline. Sorry, ask about the feline. Um, as we get ready to, to close this one out, um, it's been spectacular. Has anybody ever said you are a free spirit as a personality? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of fit that box, you know, the, the free spirit, the, the hippie, the, you know, all of the above. I kind of fit that box. I'm a little, little nature child for sure. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard for a free spirit to say they fit that box. Cause they're like, I don't actually fit the box, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I fit the box, but from uh, I, I can put myself in another person's perspective and see you. Yeah, you well, you, you fit. You check the boxes. Yeah. The, the <laughs> chat, the live chat, is absolutely adoring um, the fact that you're on the show tonight, giving us all this insight. As you get ready to close it out, we wanted to know a little bit more uh, about you and your tour. 
Um, who would you say are the people that you hang out with the most on tour? If you're going to hang out and it's with people, you mentioned a few, but what are some of these names? I mean, Hannah, I always like to hook up with her and, and play practice rounds together. We're, we're Northwest buddies. And so I think when I finally came on tour, she was like, oh, somebody from home that I know that I can like hang out with. And so she's one of the first people I like to play with. Um, uh, I mean, own is just awesome if i can play around with her that's like super fun just like practice rounds and stuff like that um raven is awesome if i can hang out with her she's awesome um Haley king if i can play a practice round with her or hang out with her she's she's probably i don't want to hurt melody's feelings because she's obviously my favorite <laughs> fpl player but Haley king is definitely like right there with one of my one of my favorite fpo players not only like as a person but she's just got a fierce game and i, I love to watch her play <laughs> absolutely so um one other question here to help people get to know you a little better we know you're all in on disc golf and you have been for a while but when it's not felines and it's not disc golf what are the other hobbies or sports or games that you're interested in maybe it's something that you've i don't know something you enjoy doing when you're not disc golfing I actually think it's super important to have other things that like you can kind of express yourself, you know, like mentally and intellectually and, and physically because disc golf is so comparable to life that if you just kind of have this one track mind, you're kind of going to stay on that one track. So I really like to, I like to practice other games and other sports and other things because I can think you can learn so many valuable things in other aspects of life that are incredibly applicable to disc golf. So one thing is my boyfriend got me, well, I always liked chess, but my boyfriend really got into chess. My boyfriend Sterling, I love you, just a shout out. Um, <laughs> but he's uh, he really got into chess. So I've been playing chess with him kind of in the off time. And that's been super fun, just mentally engaging and challenging because I kind of sucked at it at first. So that was really cool for me to like practice with frustration and how you respond to frustration. And immediately that applies to disc golf totally. Um, and then I, I haven't, I've been slacking on my slacking, but I love to slack line. If you've ever heard yes. of it, it's like a, yeah, freaking love that. Um, I've been an avid longboarder. I definitely not so much anymore just because I've been so busy, but avid longboarder. Absolutely love that. Um, I mean, I love, um, my boyfriend and I will do like Qigong together. It's almost kind of like Tai Chi, but it's a little bit, um, less like combat oriented and a little bit more like flow and, and energy oriented. So that's something that's really good. And, practicing finding a place of calm within yourself which is also incredibly applicable to disc golf even slack line is applicable to disc golf with just core strength focus and maneuverability and be able to kind of like move on the fly and um i mean i love hiking i mean i'm a disc golfer obviously mm -hmm. i love going for walks out in the woods and stuff like that but yeah chess um slack lining longboarding um i like playing catch too um, Latitude 64 has an awesome disc. It's called the Beetle. If you haven't mm -hmm. like thrown it, they're amazing. Like 145 gram, and they literally go so far. You could literally, you can like 
stand still putt them and they'll go like 200 feet so though that's like super fun to just go play catch mm-hmm. with super awesome yeah absolutely I actually go ahead i played catch a little bit too much and i actually like during the off season i was playing so much catch i actually kind of hurt my elbow a little bit so i was like oh you gotta chill out on that a little bit <laughs> yeah the off season is a thing now that really matters and and doing too much or doing too little i guess is a is something that you have to consider nowadays um i am again i had we not lined up paul and dylan they're both in the green room had they not been in the green room and we didn't line this up and pre-schedule it we would have ran with this one for a while. There's so much more we want to know. Um, are you cool if we hit you up again sometime here in the near future and have you back on? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm going to, I'm probably going to be back home in Idaho, Washington for the next, like, I'll be back, I think on Thursday, I've got a really long drive home and then I'll be home for like three and a half weeks. Okay. So I'll be pretty available then. And yeah, like I, I would be happy to, I, I've definitely, I've definitely let you guys scratch the surface, but yeah. there's, I yeah, there's there's definitely a lot more that uh that I could share just in regards to my disc golf career and stuff like that. So I would be happy to come back on. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think a majority of the people in our chat would absolutely love for that to happen. That's our whole chat has been just full of fans of yours now. Um, before we do let you go though, where can your new fans help support you? So. I've got a really sweet Westside Wu-Tang disc that is available on the Dynamic Discs website. And then you can also find my uh, Samurai Texas State Champion disc on the Dynamic Discs website. And super huge, Latitude 64 decided to release my Texas State Champion disc overseas in Europe, which is so incredibly huge so yeah you can you can catch it on the west side website you can catch it on the dynamic website and the latitude 64 website and i am so so incredibly grateful for any support that i get you are you're helping make these dreams come true for me so cool so cool yeah so the chat loves you we're gonna have you back on for sure um we'll line you up and we'll talk about more there's so many more things that i wanted to dig into so we appreciate your time tonight I was just a scratch of the surface, as you mentioned, and we look forward to talking to you again here in the near future. So thanks a lot, Sai. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. Take All care right. until next time. Have a good one. Yeah, Take awesome. Care. Have a good one. All right, Nick. We got, I don't know how to say it. I'll just say it. Two heavy hitters, uh, strong throwers. I don't know the right word for I this. I feel like neither of them are really heavy hitters, but strong, strong throwers. Hold on. Oh, We're going to do something really on. special here. Sai is in our green room and we just heard her and nobody else heard you Sai, but we heard you and she said can we, can we, do we have Sai still we, yes we, we have an okay. opportunity to do something for Sai. we're bringing it back in yes go okay. ahead you guys and are awesome. there is a way to support you and it has to do yes, with a tour absolutely. series disc right so i have an awesome tournament x bear coming out and i worked with designers on west side and i put together a super sweet like lotus psi logo and the release of that disc is going to be april 13th and 
I'm really excited. This logo turned out super duper cool and I'm super stoked about it. And I hope that everybody is just as excited about it as I am. There you go. I saw the artwork for it. Incredible. And our chat is happy. They said encore, encore. So you were there. <laughs> They're glad you're back. Um, that, that green room helped us out and helped you out. We hope everyone goes out and supports you. Uh, that's why I was definitely bringing you back in when we heard that. i um, glad you got that out there. So again, Sai, thank you very much. We look forward to the next time we saw <laughs> Take you guys are awesome. Thank you. All right. Peace out. Okay. So well, here I am trying to, you know, dog on my I know. friends. I was trying to make a joke saying, I don't think either of them are really heavy hitters, but they're both great throwers and they're respected sports. And anyways, it's, you know, not as funny now. And it probably no, it wasn't, wasn't. funny to be. But did with. you hear Sai in your ear when you were saying that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah he's probably puzzled by like, words. Uh, I was just like, whoa. <laughs> it was tough to talk for a minute. Okay. Let's just, exactly. let, let's just do it. Bring him in. Uh, welcome to the Bring show. Dylan Cease, Paul Macbeth, boom, just like that. Welcome to the show, guys. Now, we did not plan this out like how we would let each of you talk, so you get to manage that. But so, well, I, I, no, we have to manage it. We have to manage it. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing well. I'm. Uh, I actually went out and played uh, played some disc golf today, and that was uh, a lot of fun. So it's been an enjoyable day so far. Do you Very usually nice. get in a round of disc golf most days? Uh, not necessarily when I'm traveling. So like I drove into town this morning, so it was only about a three, three hour drive. So, um, but yeah, I also did some other stuff and I won't spoil ooh, that yet. But, uh, yeah. Okay. So Dylan, you're also here for our listeners. Dylan sees sitting right next, well, in our, in our, I guess our show layout studio. sitting next to Paul, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Dylan, welcome to the show, man. It's, this is uh, a true pleasure again to have you on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I told you guys, I told you guys we're going to have to do this soon. And yep. uh, thankfully, thankfully it happened. You know, it, uh, there was there were some times where it's kind of looking shady, so I'm sure we'll get into it. But <laughs> it's good to be back. I agree with Nick. We are heavy hitters. That's all I heard him say before. We were <laughs> I said you guys were good throwers, that. not heavy hitters. But... I said heavy hitters, and then I didn't yeah. know what I was saying. I said they both throw, and, and Dylan specifically, you try not to let people yeah. hit. So I don't know. True. True. That's true. So you well, mentioned, anyways, yeah, you mentioned, okay. I mean, we're going to get into the deep portions of something here. I don't know what it is yet, but the announcement that came out, I think it was via, it was Paul's social media. I don't know if I saw a post specifically from Dylan, but from Paul, uh, give us that announcement, Paul, for those who haven't heard yet. Yeah. So a few days ago, um, I announced on my Instagram in collaboration with Dylan that we purchased the throw down the mountain, the grand Canyon, the Canyon, you know, it's got a bunch of names, but the course in Brooksville, Florida, that has been so legendary. Um, but unfortunately, it's only been open, you know, for the tournament. So four weeks out of the year. And uh, we uh, we got thrown into that mix and ended up with uh, a course at the end of the, the end of the day. <laughs> thrown into the mix. <laughs> we, we do want to know how this kind of unfolded. But Nick, you had something. No, I was just going to say, I mean, you kind of started talking about it but yeah how did this all unfold the big announcement uh, purchasing the course you guys went in on it together um how did this really unfold for everyone who didn't see your instagram post well sure i'll share the very beginning so uh i heard about this course about 10 years ago or so maybe a little longer uh and it's had a bunch of iterations and, and layouts and stuff like that so um that's about when i've heard about it the legend and then i started playing tournaments here maybe seven six or seven years ago i would say um and everyone had already always talked about 
if uh, if someone could just buy this and make it a permanent course, it'd be so incredible. Um, so people had start, started rumors years ago, like, Paul, you should buy this. Paul, I heard you bought this. And uh, I've heard it for years and years and years. And then um, I would say early February, I got a call from Mike Barnett that said uh, the owner was looking into selling it and she already had someone willing to buy it and put in an offer and uh, we should put an offer in within 48 hours. <laughs> so um, I immediately called Dylan and uh, yeah, let's hear Dylan's side. <laughs> yeah, Dylan, so he called you, then what? Yeah, so it was, it was full circle for me because I had just played the uh, South Florida Open with him and his brother and uh, a bunch of guys I played with kept talking about that course and um, just how like it, how legendary it was and all that. So uh, Paul called me and said, hey, uh, do you want another course? And uh, my first reaction was obviously, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, what are the details? He, uh, he tells me about it. I go on UDisc. I see it's like 4.9 stars. Uh, and then I realize it's the course that all of those people had told me about. And uh, so... My first instinct was, yeah, I mean, 100%. I want it. How, how are we going to do this? So, he uh, he told me the price, and I threw up in my mouth a little bit, and I said, "All right, how are we going to make this happen?" <laughs> so it would be not it'd be impolite of me, but also wrong of me not to ask. Can you give us a price range or any? I mean, you said your mouth you said your mouth opened up. Yeah, yeah we're we're an open book here. So, uh, are you cool if we share? You're cool, right, Paul? I I don't care. Yeah, so we paid 1.2 million for it. Okay, big time. So yeah. 1.2 million dollars towards a course. There's a lot of conversation that can go into now. Is course collecting a thing? But 1.2 million. My immediate thought is: Was this out of the desire to own the course, or the opportunity to make something good, great? Or just the long-term return on investment? Or was it all part of that? Like, where, what was the thought process here of buying it? Yeah, I mean, I think I think all three of those things 100% go into it. Uh, for me, I mean, there, there had to be a certain financial aspect to it to where, like, if it looked like we were just going to buy it and it was going to be in the red and, you know, be this, this big, like, you know how they say if you buy boats, you're basically just sinking money? <laughs> if it was like that, it probably would have been harder to, in, to invest in for me just because... You know, I, I obviously I with my career, I'm, I'm you know, hopefully going to be able to have a lot of capital and money. But, um, you know, I'm still kind of in the early stages of it. So it had to financially make sense and look like something that could potentially at least like break even. Um, but other than that, I mean, just the excitement of being able to build something really cool and, and team up with Paul Um was was more than enough for me so i was willing to i was willing to basically stretch anything and uh stretch our imaginations and see if we could you know we could come to something but it just felt like one of those things where the disc golf community is seems to be so supportive of you know new things and and cool things like this that um you know the the financial aspect really at the end of the day i felt really comfortable that that people were going to support it and and come play so um you know it uh it was just funny how it timed up you know right after we announced cactus rock and we're working right. on that so um you know I, I had to get i had to get a little bit uncomfortable and take a risk financially but um you know at the end of the day you got to take a risk to to go do cool things in life and i couldn't be more excited about this one now 
and I don't know how much you can share with it, but do you have any kind of future goals and what was realistically the main idea besides for potentially opening up the course to be played more often, not just for the one month out of the year? Are there any other bigger goals for this property? Absolutely. If Yeah, if Paul, if you want to take over. Um, sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, we definitely want to get it up and running and make it, you know, a, a, turn, a course that is open throughout the year. Um, because right now, like I said, it's it's only four weeks out of the year and it's pretty much tournament play only. So everyone has to, if they want to play the course, they got a very uh, slim window there. So we want to open it up and we want to host bigger and better tournaments. And, and another thing with the property is, so that's what I went out and did today is I went out and walked it with Mike Barnett. Um, and we got to see what the entire property looks like because they only get about a week to set up the the course mm. and trim mm. everything and all that. So like they're doing their, they're doing their most with the bare minimum uh, amount of amount of time. So they, uh, they haven't pushed the limits of this property. Uh, so I want to go out there and see what we can really do and what kind of, event we can really host out there uh with a real championship course and a, and a and a like a you know one of the best courses in the world and if not um you know just like the property there is so unique i kind of showed dylan a little bit of it today but uh it's just i feel like they're they're just barely scratching the surface what they have uh there now with their course design and, and the event so um yeah, so I'm getting a little lost with it. But, uh, many, it's, uh, yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. So let me let me yeah. get in a little bit deeper there. Acreage, just straight up. What's the acreage of that property you bought? 60. 60. Yeah. And are they using currently, do you know how much is being used for the course currently? I don't know the amount of acres, uh, but they don't use, there's a lot of spots that they don't use. When I walked it today, there's a lot of pieces of the property that I'd never seen before. And I, I was telling Dylan, I was like, we can do this here. We can do this there. Uh, we can make a new hole here so we can combine this hole and make this a par five instead of a par three, et cetera, et cetera. So um, after just walking it, I could see this course being like a part uh, 69 or 70 compared to what oh, it wow. is now. I think it's a 66. Um, so there's definitely some more length that, that can be added to more incredible tee shots because if you've seen coverage or seen anything about it, it it's called the Canyon for a reason. Um, you know, you got some, huge drops and and some some just elevation change that's not seen in many other places mm. um dylan I, I have a quick question yeah, go, here. go ahead evan um so i i've seen this course on coverage i've never been there um it, it it seems like an awesome course but what else does it have as far as amenities that we don't get to see on camera is there a parking lot is it close to a city what what kind of details can you share to kind of paint the picture yeah, so it right now it technically has a parking lot, but it's not graveled. It's kind of just packed in dirt. Um, so if it rains, it can get a little get a little messy. But uh, as far as the the parking lot, there is a good sized parking lot. But they do when they have the pro weekend and some of the bigger events, they will have an offsite parking lot. Um, there is no pro shop or anything like that. They have a temporary one because they are only here, you know, four weeks out of the year. Uh, so they set up some some tents sell outside all the baskets are temporary uh, but our goal when we open it uh, our goal is to open it this fall we want to have a pro shop of some sort uh, could be a temporary one could be a permanent one um, we'll see you know that it's just another financial investment uh, so we'll see where we are at that point but um, we want to put tea pads baskets all that good stuff and uh, 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 
yeah, I mean that that that's it for amenities right now. Uh, good sized parking lot and uh, a future pro shop. Okay. Um, I, I saw a question come in earlier, and I think it's intriguing to actually ask for both of you because Dylan, you are the uh, opening day pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. I think it's a week from today. Is that correct? Uh, two days from today. Whoa. Oh, two days from two today. days. What are you doing on our show? It's on, it's on Thursday. So we got a couple <laughs> days. Okay. All right. A couple of days. <laughs> He's like tomorrow. Tonight. Who, who are you facing? Houston Astros. Awesome. Ooh, there you Congratulations go. on that honor, by the way. That's pretty cool, man. Um, Thank you. I follow disc Thank golf you. more than baseball, but I know what you're doing is pretty special. And when I'm out to eat and I see Dylan sees come on the TV, I talk to my family and say, hey, that guy's a disc golfer. <laughs> He's one of us. He's one of us. That's awesome. But so, but the question comes for both of you is you have other things going on, right? So you have careers. You have things that you're focused on that are really important, Paul, with your career of disc golf and playing and trying to win uh, and do the, the foundation, not foundation, like foundation. What? What's the difference between the your Paul, found, Macbeth Paul Macbeth Foundation? Foundation. Yeah. You're doing the Paul Macbeth Foundation and you got stuff that you're managing for yourself. And then Dylan, you've got obviously your career with baseball. How, how is something like this? Does it have the opportunity to detract from what you're doing in your careers? Or are you putting somebody in place to help manage this, this, this process or this, you know, I guess this course that you just purchased? Yeah, we're taking applications for sure. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Um, from, no, uh, go ahead, Dylan. Yeah, from my point of view, um, you know, once my season gets started, it's not really going to be something I'm super. I mean, I'll I'll focus on it from time to time, you know. And as a starting pitcher, I do have times, you know, on the four days that I'm not starting um, in my rotation to, you know, to kind of bear down and and think about things and do stuff. But uh, for me, I'm not I'm not really worried about it um, because. For one, I, I, you know, like I said, the, I feel like the communities, you know, kind of kind of be there to help support it. But, um, you know, I'm, you know, Paul's obviously got a lot of connections and, uh, you know, manpower in the game. Um, I'm, I'm happy with like my business group that I work with that helps me out. So, you know, anything from that point of view, they really help me with. So um, it's not something I'm worried about. And it's not, it's not something I would I would let to take away from right. my game, you know, if if. If there's something happening there that's a negative, then, you know, for me, I know this is just sort of a, a passion project I'm working on. And it's not, you know, it's not something that's like life or death. So right. uh, I, I don't I don't think it's going to be any issue. It's more just something that's going to be fun that I get to, um, you know, get to build and, and put my time and energy into. Yeah, I think we all need little side project, fun, passion things. You have to, right? It can't be all work. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Paul, exactly. similar for you. What do you think? Yeah, uh, definitely similar. Uh, it could it could get in the way um, if I, you know, don't keep my priorities straight. But I think we're in a good situation. You know, Mike Barnett is the connection there that helped us um, get the property in the first place and, and make that connection with uh, Suzanne, who was the former owner. Um, and I think any any time we have questions or anything, Mike's the one that we can go to because uh, because of that relationship we have. You know, he he uses this property. He knows it a lot better than you know pretty much anyone probably better than the owner themselves um and uh but yeah it it is it is taking on a lot but i, I mean i guess we own it now so we can do it on on our schedule mm -hmm. on our time if, if we don't find help if we don't find help in, or or the right people that we want um in time but 
um, you know, I think I think we do both have a strong team behind us that can uh, can help push this along and, and make things happen. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just excited to see to see where it goes. So I'm not I'm not I don't I don't know, I don't look at the the, the potential negatives. Mm-hmm. I guess I should say I just always want to keep moving forward, and making the, things happen. And you've, you've played the course for years and years at this point. It's been an incredible mm-hmm. tournament, very fun to watch. You've won it a few times. Um, you actually, today, you had posted, I think it was on Twitter, that you actually saw the champ out there today. Pretty cool. You know, Ken Climo out on this course. You said he shot five down. Now, I have no idea if that's good or bad. But realistically, with all the courses that you've played, especially in the U.S., with what you see yourself doing with the, this property, how do you think it rates with, say, other tour courses that are out there right now? So people always ask me, like, what's your favorite course? And I always say Maple Hill. Um, but this one is definitely pushing it, especially if it becomes a permanent course. Because it's hard to say a temporary course like this without baskets in the ground are, mm-hmm. you know, can be your favorite course. Uh, but I think if we can push this to its limits, it can definitely be up there um, at that kind of scale. Uh, because because of the elevation change, it doesn't have as much water as Maple Hill. It does have a little bit, but uh, but it's just so unique. Um, and I can't wait for people to see that. Uh, it's definitely unique for Florida. Like it's like one of a kind in Florida. But I'm I'm like saying like unique for anything in the U.S. So, um, so yeah, it'll definitely. It's probably well. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's probably, nice. course that's, uh, probably gonna be neck and neck it's in uh, tuscaloosa alabama it's called there Apple you go <laughs> well so i it's actually funny because i was telling dylan when i first saw the land in tuscaloosa i was saying like it reminds me a lot of like wr jackson and this course in florida called uh throw down the mountain uh and that was before this course is even on the table yep um so it was pretty funny that uh it gave me those kind of those kind of vibes and, and that kind of similarity. For for those of our listeners who are driving along wondering why we're snickering in the background, Dylan just had a cat jump up a feline, sorry, a feline <laughs> jump up feline. on his back. Um that's awesome. Uh so there's a I mean we could go on and on about this. So you had mentioned a little bit of a financial risk, and I know that doesn't mean like, hey, I'm going bankrupt or not. It more it means more in my mind that, hey, we're putting money out there and to get this money back is a risk. So what would it take in your minds for this to not, for, for the rewards to be greater than the the risk? Like, what would it take? Is this long-term goal? Are you guys like, Hey, 10 years, five years, 20 years, like a pay to play to course, all that kind of stuff. Like what's your thoughts in making it a win for you, Dylan? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, definitely we want to, we want to generate some cash flow on it. Um, sorry, I'm a little distracted. The right cat's now. awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we want to, you know, we want to get it up and running and, um, you know, people going through it and, and cash flowing. Um, I think, I think number one, if we just get it open to the public, that's mm-hmm. going to be really satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, you know, if, if we're running in the red, it's going to be, it would be a hard pill to swallow, but I just, I think if we do what we're, what we're planning on doing here, it would be, it would be hard not to at least break even. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have, uh, big ambitions and, um, I'll let, I'll let Paul kind of talk into some of the the ideas we have to sort of generate this cash flow and this revenue. But, um, you know, we definitely, we, we definitely want to, you know, hopefully do pretty well in that area as well. Cause I mean, for me, at least I, I want to continue to invest into disc golf. So, you know, this, if this can kind of fund other projects, if this and cactus rock can cash hey. flow well on other projects, 
I can keep doing cool stuff like this and, um, you know, hopefully continue to, to grow it. And, um, yeah, so, okay. I mean, it's, getting to this part is exciting for me and it's, it's all been a win so far. You know, I'm, I'm, I haven't made anything in return yet, but I'm just really excited <laughs> to brand and market and, and, uh, hopefully, hopefully create really high quality products that, uh, people are excited about and, uh, destination courses for sure is, is what I got in mind. Uh, we've got more questions, but Paul, what is he talking about here? Bigger future goals. Uh, he's keeps teeing you up and I don't know if Paul's ready to talk, but what, what do you mean, Paul? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it, it is going to be a pay to play course, uh, which it currently is right now. Uh, you know, you got the day rates and the parking rates that they have to do for the, the tournament. Uh, so we are, we're not a hundred percent set on what our day rates are uh, going to be. You know, it, we, we still got to put a lot of money into, you know, getting the parking lot and tee pads and baskets and all that fun stuff uh, to make it a permanent, a permanent course. But we do want to do like yearly memberships. And I think we're doing something that I don't know if anyone's done before as far as private courses, but we want to do a limited number of lifetime memberships um, to where people can buy these and have it essentially for life. And make it to where it can also be transferable if they want to pass it down to their kids or, or if it's someone local here in the area and then they move away and they don't feel like they'll be coming back to this area, um, they can they can sell it or transfer it or whatever. But we want to do a limited number of that to where, you know, we can kind of get back some of that investment, but put it back into doing more projects into this course. And uh, because my biggest fear on this course and what I've seen growing up in California and, and, and just some of these high traffic courses is, is erosion. So we want to find a way that we can keep it looking really nice and not, not falling apart and just keep it open for the public, for people to play as much as they can, as much as they want. And just, um, but yeah, I think, I think that's something that we're really looking forward to doing and uh, making it really special for people. Uh, not just so you can, you know, you can have a part of this course in some way with the uh, lifetime memberships uh, we were thinking about doing a uh, a lifetime uh, membership only tournament every year and kind of doing like oh, yes. the, uh, club club yeah, championships. I almost, said, uh, I almost said the the new name for the course as well but I <laughs> put a cup for the for what the course is going to be branded as so yeah. we're, we're trying to add a bunch of incentives to those lifetime memberships because that would really help um, that would that would really help us get more capital to, to then invest back into it and uh, get things going. Mm -hmm. Did I just did I'm listening, but I kind of missed it in that moment. Did you say the name of the course? And you said you almost no, did. No, no, I almost did. Yeah. It's almost, not to yeah. be released yet. Is that correct? Not yet. Yeah, okay. we're not not yeah. quite yet, but we've got it. We've got it. Just not quite okay. ready to release to the public. OK, but you guys know it yourself. You're just waiting for the time. Yes. <laughs> so we'll have to get you on another episode so you can talk about the name. name. This is yes. perfect. Just keep coming out with stuff, and we'll keep hitting you guys up. No, this is awesome. yeah. Just just uh, Mondays, seven p.m. are just it's Dylan Cease's hour. You let him run, okay? Exactly. No pitching on Monday nights. You got to rest up on Mondays, Paul. No tournaments, obviously, on Monday nights. So you're both just it's the Paul and Dylan Great. show, and what's going on in disc golf, and what have they bought this time? This is disc golf monopoly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, disc golf monopoly. Cactus Rock. I mean, what's Boardwalk and what's Park Place? You got to figure it out. So, uh, hey, that's a good question that I have. I mean, they say well, you guys have three properties between the two of you now, right? 
with uh, Virginia, Florida, and Alabama. Uh, actually, Nick More? Carl has the other one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I yeah. wanted you to say that so bad, Paul. We didn't even talk, but you just said it. So Nick bought the property in Virginia, everybody. His, yeah, his, uh, his, his uh, our company. co-owners. Yes. Yeah, his company. Our company okay. bought the property. Well, that answers it easily. I'll keep it between the two properties in Florida and Alabama. Is it a you love your all all your kids equally, um, or is there one that will be kind of a premier one that you might try to have uh, bigger events or pro tour stop or just bigger goals overall? For me, I mean, Dylan owns two courses here. So. Yeah, yeah so let, let's go to let's go to Dylan. Yeah, we're talking. I, I might be the only private citizen in the country that owns two courses, so I might have to call the uh, the Guinness. Uh, world records and getting in there. Um, <laughs> Not a bad idea. I mean, for me, I, I'm just going to push the envelope. Why am I off camera? There we go. All right. I'm just going to push the envelope as far as I can possibly push it and be as ambitious with it as as much as I possibly can. Um, I love Cactus Rock because it's it was really special going through the whole process of of just getting raw land and having to do everything, you know, the LLCs, the lawyers, the teaming up with my partner, his hands, um, mapping out the course with Paul, having the camera crew there, um, seeing it continue to be developed and getting new pictures every day of how the fairways are looking and all the, all the cool stuff that's going on. Um, so that one's, that one's really special to me. And I feel like that's always going to have that kind of special place in my heart with, um, with our new course, with our Florida course, we'll call it, um, it's already it's already has a proven track record of being a legendary course. And, um, you know, I, I think that one, I think at least from a financial standpoint, that one seems to be more of the um, certain certain thing um, as much as as you can say that. But, you know, obviously nothing is certain. Um, and I think that one being that it has more notoriety, I think that will probably be a little easier to get things going with. Um, but. Yeah, for me, like I said, I'm I'm going to go all out with them as much as I possibly can, and uh, I, I hope the uh, I hope the disc golf community kind of helps out and comes and plays them and buys T-shirts and merch and all that, so we can keep expanding and doing really cool things. Absolutely. I mean, we we, we kind of heard from Paul talking about the Florida course and how hopefully later on this year, I think he was saying in the fall time is when they kind of want to reopen it to the public. Um, do you have a timeline over at Cactus Rock on when you want to open it, when you want to potentially host the first tournament at it, stuff like that? Yeah, we're still debating that right now. Um, you know, I think I think we could even have people playing it this summer if we really wanted to. But um, we're all kind of in agreement that we want to make sure it's all buttoned up and, and mm -hmm. polished. So there's, you know, there's nothing unfinished about it. Um, I think I think we could potentially do something at the end of this year. Um, but, but for sure by spring next year, we'll be up and up and running and we're still debating how we want to open it. If we want to do a tournament or just a day or, you know, whatever, but um, we're, we're not really in a big rush with that. And I still, I still got to kind of figure out how I'm going to get the pro shop in there. Um, I'm kind of hoping that I'm hoping that we do well with our lifetime memberships and some other stuff with, with the Florida course that can kind of pay for, for both of them. Um, we have even, we've even kind of talked about selling like a 20% stake in the Florida course, which would be kind of done like a real estate thing and seeing if, if anyone was interested in kind of partnering up in that way. But there's a lot of stuff that's still kind of in the air right now. And, um, 
you know, I know that either way we're, we're going to be good. It's just, we kind of got to see how everything plays out. And, uh, but I think Paul and I are in agreement that we're going to be extremely ambitious. No, definitely. Yep. I agree. Uh, and one thing too, um, I guess we were talking about it earlier, um, about how we actually acquired the property. Um, we, we were, I was contacted by Mike Barnett, like, uh, early February and Dylan and I ended up owning it by, I think March 6th. Was that the closing date? Uh, yeah. So it was like incredibly fast cause they were going to sell it to some developers and, uh, we didn't want to miss that opportunity. So, um, so yeah, that's like, we're, we're kind of looking at a lot of opportunities, um, with the property as well. It's still, it's still going, but yeah, sorry. I feel like I didn't finish that story earlier. No. And how, how fast to, things went. Yeah. We had to brainstorm and come up with a lot, a lot of stuff on the fly. So yeah. Um, that's why we're still, you know, mapping it all out. Yeah. So I'm finding it interesting. I mean, you have to have the money, obviously the capital to do this, but what was yeah. it that motivated you? Was it like a dream you didn't know you had, Paul? I know you said people have talked about it for a while. Like, Hey, can we make this permanent? But like for you specifically, and then I know Dylan, you got brought into this, but like, what was it that when you heard it, you're like, I mean, I'm just going to give you an example. There's a course, uh, 30 minutes North of Maple Hill. That's on a private property. It's, it's not, it's probably, I don't know, 20 acres. It's not like world renowned, but he's selling his property and everyone up here is like, Oh, like you should buy it. You know, everyone's thinking about it. And like, it sounds great, but the only, the people that actually buy it they they were able to one. And they probably had that full inspiration to do it. Like, what was yeah. it that fully motivated you to do this? Cause it sounds great, but then you're like, let's do it. Yes. You know, like, what was it? Yeah. Well, send me the numbers on that one. When we get off 800,000 <laughs> for a house and a course, yeah, it's a house and a course. 30, 30 minutes North of Maple Hill, man. Then not, yeah. In the middle of nowhere. Yeah. I was, I talked to Simon's told me a lot of people have reached out to him about that course. Yeah. In a um, lot of ways, it could be a Simon course. He wanted like eclectic, smaller, fun ace. Anyways. All right. Yeah. Sorry. What was, what was your um, thoughts? Yeah. So, uh, this, this course, I, like I said, I've heard about it for a decade and all the different people that had designed tournaments there, ran tournaments there, you know, all the way back to Greg Hosfeld, who I think is the one that made this originally um, become a course and, and found it. And then I think some other people, and now it's Mike Barnett that runs the tournament out there. Um, but just knowing how great of a piece of property this is for so many years, the pro tour made a stop back when I think they were called test events. I don't, I don't recall mm -hmm. if that's what they were called. That's right. Um, I think but, so. But it was, it was a test event, and it would have definitely been on the Pro Tour, but because it was a temporary course and they didn't own it, and the people that did own it, they weren't going to put concrete pads in or, or turf or, or tee pads in general. Right now, the, the property is just carpet and temporary baskets. Um, so just knowing and just knowing how much people love it out here in Florida especially, it just is like – it's just it's just incredible to see how everyone talks about it. So, sorry, this chair is sliding on me. Um, but it's just incredible to hear how much everyone loves it, and to to think of the possibility that it, it was going to be gone just like that. It just wasn't. It just wasn't. It was just very unsettling. So um, I don't know. I just I, okay. I couldn't let it go by, and and 
And I know Dylan was uh, talking about owning courses for a long time. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Yeah. So it was just, yeah, it was, it was a lot, but you know, I'm glad, I'm glad we were able to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's what I figured it would have to be. It's just in your mind, it was such a great course. It would be hard to see it go. And again, mm-hmm. that's how we feel at a small level, well, big level for us up here with this local course too. It's kind of like, man, you don't want to see it go. But in, in your opinion, that course, it sounded like to me, you said, potential to be maple hill in your mind and for you it has that potential and so um do you envision this possibly one day being a pro tour stop i mean we're so far we're way out i get it but it has a history do you see it ever being that i definitely think so yeah i i think so um i think there's a lot of possibilities you know it i don't think we have a tour a pro tour stop in florida right now uh, they had the silver event last year. Yeah, the wraparound. Um, yeah, over in Jacksonville. But uh, I don't know if there's ever been an elite series here. There used to be the tw- the championship used to be, um, championship used to be in Jacksonville as well. But I, I guess there, I mean, that's a golf course. I think this could be one of the true disc golf courses on the pro tour, mm-hmm. um, and, and whatever you know, big events. You know, throw down mountains and eight here right now, but. But uh, there's not many true disc golf courses around there that we play on tour anymore. We uh, we saw Tallahassee and Jacksonville uh, being New World as the only silver stops in Florida and then the two uh, pro, uh, pro Tour championship years. There's not been a, a standard elite event in Florida. Okay. Yeah. So far, I mean, pretty much Georgia. Georgia and Alabama up there. Yeah. Uh, do you know off the top of your head what's the difference? Uh, excuse me, the distance between Tuscaloosa's course and the Florida course? I think eight hours, six or eight okay. hours. Wow, that's not too far. That's no, not too far. It's not bad at all. Um, like from they, what I heard, like from what I've heard back too, back to back situation, huh? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can stop in Tallahassee on the way up too. Why not? Yep, the halfway exactly. point. And what I've heard too is. <laughs> I think someone said online, this is two hours closer to Waco than Vegas. Just saying. Just throwing that out there. Nice. Wow. All right. See you later, Vegas. Started <laughs> up in Florida, and there we go. Oh, man. Um, oh. I know we've already kind of mentioned it a few times, but the chat just keeps going on. It's funny, Dylan and Paul. Now everyone's like, there's a course out here that someone needs to buy. There's a course here. Like, it's yeah. You can be the the course rescuers yeah. at, at this point. I mean, maybe the we, there's something to Cardone's of disc golf. If the community's willing to get behind us, <laughs> we can do an unlimited amount of things. It's you know? true. Think about it. If it doesn't, it doesn't take more than you know, a couple thousand people paying 20 bucks, 10 bucks to play around to you start getting revenue and then you can start doing, you know, really cool stuff. So if we got to be the conduits to, uh, you know, got to be the vessels to make that happen, I, that would be very, very enjoyable for me. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so what did we miss talking about that? You guys are like, dude, how did the Nick and Matt show ask, forget asking us this, anything? No, I mean, should we uh, should we talk more? I'll ask Paul this. Should we talk more about the lifetime memberships and kind of what we want to do with that? Or should we kind of leave that until we have more details uh, mapped out? Oh, Paul's muted. That's Paul. Did you just get a call? You must have just cussed me out. Yeah. 
Paul probably just got a call, which means Paul. that he's going to be muted in audio. So uh, leave it's, and then come back. It's possible. That's, I don't know. If yeah. he can hear us. Can I'm you hear us, Paul? Yeah, imagine he's just like, oh, my God, Dylan, what are you saying? If it's not working for Paul. No. So, Paul, actually close your browser. Like, get out of it. Stop it. Close it. Come back into the same link. It should work. Um, so, hey, right. it sounds we'll like you... About, we'll talk about Cactus Rock until he comes back. I was just about there to say, go. though, Dylan, yes. it seems like you're the one so, who gets to make the decision now if you talk. No. <laughs> so, uh, we'll pivot to Cactus Rock. We have, we've made the parking lot so unbelievably big right now that uh, I'm blown away <laughs> that my uh, the guys I'm partnering up with were able to do it. I mean, this thing is like, it looks like a Walmart parking lot. So Wow. Um, yeah, we got that. And then uh, there's... they. Paul and and uh, Avery and all of them made some changes that they're gonna make me wait to see, but I kind of have a, a little bit of an idea of what kind of went on. So the um, you know most of the most of the fairways are clear enough to where like it's very playable right now. Um, obviously, there's still some work to be done and some bridges and all that to be built, but the uh, the progress that's been made out there is is wild. I mean, you can tell that they've been there. You know, basically sunrise to sunset. Uh, get getting that thing put in. So I'm just excited to get it out there. I really feel like I really feel like it's going to be one of the most unique courses. And I, I haven't been to all of them in the country, obviously, but you know I try to go on UDisc and and do as much research as I can. And uh, I mean, I really feel like this is shaping up to be uh, really incredible. Now I'm assuming you don't have baskets in it yet, correct? No, but we will definitely get those quick. Okay, <laughs> once you get those, you'll have to. A little Nick and Macho extravaganza down to Tuscaloosa. Absolutely. So let's go. Yeah. Oh boy. So we'll do that. Dylan, you got a whole <laughs> landscaping team that you're working with, uh, and obviously there's a lot to landscaping. There's you know cutting down trees and and all the other plants and all that. Uh, are they kind of um, like are we going to be forming some of the land? Are we going to make like some rock wall type things? Like I think maybe the whole whole nine is what comes to my mind. Are we are, are there things in the works like that, or is that a couple of years down the road? Yeah, I mean, right now there it, it's been mostly just clearing and and moving stuff around. But like even on a couple of holes, I know that they've been you know taking soil from one side and building up the other side, and um, you know kind of working on drainage and all the little things that you wouldn't think about, but guys, guys who have experience on land and kind of know how things work, you know, they're able to, they're able to, you know, do some stuff and have some visions that, you know, I, I personally wouldn't know anything about. So uh, they, they keep me pretty informed and uh, they've, they've been, uh, they've been moving things around for sure. So we're, we're not going to spare any expense with it, you know, and, and uh, as long as, uh, as long as things go smoothly and how I think so, I think we're going to be able to keep just investing into it and, you know, keep continue to make it top notch and something that people want to come visit. Okay. Uh, Hannah Macbeth in the chat. She says that Nick Carl get in line. The party is going to be down at cactus rock first, the party podcast. So <laughs> I think what we'll do, and maybe this isn't fair, this. Nick, it'd be you and Christine versus me and Hannah versus Evan and, and uh, intern Ben. Yeah. Ooh, let's go, Ben. Down. That's and then uh, I was just about to say Paul and Dylan can do something, but that's too much. So you guys, no, get Paul to, and Dylan can be on a team. Wait, individuals, worst shot. Super cool chat says the ceasefire open. Oh, Whoa. ceasefire. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. No. Hey. You liking no. what you're hearing? <laughs> so that we we had lost. Oh no, that's yeah. uh, interesting. 
We had lost Paul for a few minutes. Paul, you are back now. Dylan and Ashu, if you guys wanted to elaborate a little bit more on the lifetime membership and goals that you had in mind doing with that, and yeah, we'll let you take it away. Um, sure. Like we we want to. I don't know. We just we just want that to be a really cool thing uh, with the property and and just. I forget. I don't know what I what I left out. <laughs> <laughs> what I may have left out. Uh, but no, it's, I don't know. I think, I think it's really unique, something that hasn't happened in disc golf, but kind of just lets people, you know, have a piece of the property in some way. And just, uh, I guess it's kind of almost more like a collector's items too. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and we do want to do a lot of fun packages with those, uh, with those, you know, do, do like a, a welcome package, which is unique to each person. And um, also, like Dylan mentioned, the, a club championship would be really cool to where, where it's only those people um, that are invited to to this event, um, you know, which would probably be a, an annual thing. And uh, yeah, I just I just think we're going to do a lot at that property. Um, I think we're going to do a lot at that property and we just want the those members to to know that they're a part of it and, and feel like they're part of it because whatever we do there is, it isn't going to be possible without, you know, their help. What, what in the world is the range on a lifetime membership? So like there was a local course around me, I think it was probably like, I feel like in the range of a thousand dollars. I mean, but that's like a small startup local course, but you have something like throw down the mountain or the Canyon and my brain's going, dude, that could be anything from 20,000 plus to who knows what, do you guys have a range in your mind? A price? Yeah, yeah. I mean, twenty thousand would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, it's still a disc golf course. Um, so we do have a number for that, which would be twenty five hundred. Which, hey, I think for a lifetime is very, very nice. Um, <laughs> I, I do that's too. A, that's that's you have a limit on those, right? That's 10 yes, straight years of playing at Maple Hill, and they might have even upped their price now, but I remember yeah. Maple Hill yearly membership used to be $250. 350 now. You're at 350 now. Yep. So. Yeah. Wow. But yep. So you're 350, say that again? We didn't hear, I didn't hear that. No, I was saying three, it, it used to be $350, or excuse me, it is $350 a year now. So after 10 years, I mean, that's how much you're spending, that twenty-five to $3,500. So. Minus the so, so which that, that's their price for a season? Yep. Yeah, I might be losing. Okay, so the, and what is their season? Sorry, uh, the only time they're officially closed is any time where it actually snows now due to safety, and then from Thanksgiving to first week of January. Yeah, Jan first. Me if I'm yeah. Wrong. yeah, so for a month from so Thanksgiving, they take to about a year. month and a half off. <laughs> okay, well, do you think? Uh, do you guys think Paul and I should make a bid on Maple Hill? <laughs> that would be crazy. I'm not in. That would be crazy. He goes, I'm not in. You're with Simon on that one. <laughs> yeah, the Dylan and Simon. Dylan's just going to be the silent partner. Well, known partner in all these courses now. That would yeah. be Simon crazy. Hey, but, I'd be curious yeah, what that would like, be valued. You, you did say it, it will be limited. There will be a number, and we will never exceed that ever. Well, yeah. So if it's only like, let's just say it's only 20. You're going to have a line out the door waiting for it. Yeah. But if it's like 100 to 500 or something, I, I was curious if you had any plans of process, if uh, there's way more people wanting to do that than expected, uh, kind of how you'll you'll handle those requests, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's one of those things we don't we don't know. 
we have a number. I don't know if you want to say it, Dylan, but we have a number. I'm, I'm, I'm and putting it out there. So we will have 500 available ever um, with the, like I said, the opportunity that they are transferable. Um, and we don't, we don't know that number yet or set price or anything like that, but um, <coughs> yeah, oh, so we baby. will. Yeah. Quick, quick math tells me that that pays for the property that you just did, right? So that's that's one point two million. Um, yep. The chat, by the way, it's a small percentage of people who are going to be interested. But there's a lot of people in the chat already saying they don't think twenty five hundred is enough. Some are saying that's very fair. They think it should be more. All the, so, my quick math yes. is that you're going to do it and you're going to make your money back. Well, do we think we could do more? Yeah, you know, of course. But we we want people to feel like they're a part of this and that money is going to go right back into making this course as epic as it can be. Mm. And Cactus Rock. Um, what was that? It's going to go on a Cactus Rock as well. Yeah. 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 Dylan's got two courses he needs to yeah. make look good. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I told Dylan, I have some pretty wild visions for this property and, and I went out with Mike Barnett today and was like, this is what I want to do. He's like, yeah. Yeah, I could I could see that. So, unfortunately, they're not all free to make happen. Who's the ultimate decision maker? I know Mike. You're saying Mike Barnett. He's very familiar with the course. He's probably been the one mm -hmm. that's been involved with it the most. But are you and Dylan the decision makers from here on out? I mean, you involve others, I'm sure. But I mean, are you the ones? You're the yes or no guys. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Or no. Or no. Or no. Yeah, or but no. I mean, so if you're like, hey, this is what we're doing. I mean, that's awesome. Right yeah. 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 Right now, uh, Hannah yes. said yeah, it's interviews her. are coming in. So, what was sorry. that, Nick? I said, sorry, Paul. Hannah says it is her. She says her? me in the live chat. So, Who she gets to is the decision, decision maker for you. Oh. Okay. So, oh. Just sorry to break it to you. That's <laughs> so Dylan and Hannah. Dylan yes. and Hannah. They are the owners of the course. She's the captain yeah. now. Um. <laughs> Wow, this, by the way, tonight's episode, it's going to go down in the books with with Cy and now Dylan and Paul on together. Um, so, Paul, we'd be remiss, and we're not going to let both of you go yet, but I have a question, then we'll bring it back to Evan's ABCs, which is a fun little trivia game. I think we'll all, Paul, you can rip Evan if he's getting them wrong. But. <laughs> oh, Paul got a call. It's probably going to mute yeah. him again. He's not interested. He left. There he is. Oh, it's still there. You're still there. I ordered... I ordered food about two hours ago, and the lady apparently is lost now. So uh, <laughs> nice. I ordered it well before the show started. So all right, Sheesh. Oh, yeah. um, Paul, <laughs> I just feel like we'd be remiss at some level not to ask you a little bit about your game. And if this was a baseball interview, I'm sure we'd ask Dylan a few questions like that. But mm -hmm. uh, after I'm trying to remember which one event it was, you can correct me, but. Um, you talked about your mental focus, maybe is what it was. And you talked about, you think yeah. you maybe you discovered something relation to that. Um, mm -hmm. What is it that you were talking about? And maybe what is it that you discovered, if you don't mind sharing? Uh, I, I, I've really been looking at the end um, and finishing like the end of the tournament and like where I want to finish and what I want to do, which is obviously win versus looking at the next step ahead of me. Uh, and it's been hard to focus because i'm you know looking at it that way uh and i had a long drive home from uh, uh austin to jacksonville so just a lot of time to think about it and figure it out and just kind of like why are things different um and and i know a lot of it comes from when covid and and 
disc golf, you know, kind of stopped completely. And it was like the first time in my life that I didn't have something competitive for a long time. So I kind of lost touch with that and, and how to snap into, you know, what we call the zone. Um, because I would play these tournaments and I would never feel mentally drained at the drained at the end of them. Like I used to. Um, and I was like, why, what, what is it? And I was trying to discover what that zone is and what that mental focus is. And it's literally shutting your brain off and not thinking. And if you just sat here right now for the next 10 seconds and tried to not think about a single thought now, try to do that for three to five hours. It is so hard, so hard. So, um, I just feel like I haven't been using that, that I guess skill and, uh, in the tournament. So, uh, because I would already have these these shots and things like that predetermined, and I'm just like going back to to you know thoughts I had the day before thoughts instead of being in that moment and just throwing what's working and doing what I've I've trained myself to do and, and step up see a shot and do that um, I'm I'm just falling back to to what I did hmm. um, so that's kind of really what it was that's that's interesting and uh, another time we have you on we could dig into. Uh, what it takes to do some of the self-discovery that you're doing. I think it's really intriguing. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a disappear for a couple seconds, figure out the speed situation. <laughs> there you go. Before I leave, but I will hop right back on. All right. Join I, back in the link after. I, yeah. He gets the handicap. That, or he doesn't get the handicap. We get the handicap yeah. on him. We're going to start the trivia game and we get an advantage if we get him right. Well, I want to really quick before we jump into it, Dylan, you're about to pitch opening day. <laughs> On Thursday, we asked Paul a disc golf question. Let's get a little baseball interview going on. Dude, what is that? Is this the first year you're ever going to open up? Like, is this the first time ever opening day? Like, talk to us about it. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's a really big honor. It's it's my first time. Um, you know, it's usually uh, it's it's given out. It's given out by the team as an honor for sure. Um and uh, yeah, it's against it's against the defending World Series champions. So you know, obviously a very strong team. So um, you know, really, it's it's been on my mind the last couple of weeks when I'm going to the field and and preparing. I'm in spring training now, but you know, really, I've got my mind on that game. So hmm. uh, right now, I feel excited. I'm sure I'm going to be nervous on the day of, but you know, right now, I feel like I'm in a really good spot, and I just feel excited for it. Are cool. you? Are you pitching against the guy who won the Cy Young but shouldn't know because we all know it was you who won the who should have won oh, the Cy Young? No, Verlander's on the Mets now. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know Man, that, Nick. Dude, right, I don't know. Well, because wait, he was he was on the Astros last year, right? He was on the Astros. Okay, because yeah. that was the game that we all dis, the Discraft family we yeah. all went to to see uh, Verlander versus Cease. And so, oh, dude, yeah. I don't. That's how much I follow baseball. I follow Dylan Cease <laughs> and every so often the Red Sox. That's about it now. Uh, he he will have to face, I believe, his former teammate and Jose Abreu, who signed for the Astros yes. this offseason. So that might be a little bit tough. Ooh, that dude can smash. It is. It uh, is. It's it's we call it the revenge tour. Anytime you face a guy who's who was on a previous team, you know they're they're looking for that revenge tour. Yeah. So was it a trade or just free agency? Free agency. Free he got his agency. coin. So that's even <laughs> more <laughs> reason to a lot of his golf courses with that with that that fellow makes. <laughs> <laughs> the coin good old coin. uh someone someone did ask in the chat what are your go-to three pitches uh slider curveball fastball boom okay. all right i got i got one more baseball question and then i do we we okay fair enough <laughs> uh we saw an epic world baseball classic uh this spring with i I'm going to say maybe maybe the most legendary at bat in all of baseball with otani versus trout for the final out yeah. 2026 
What are you thinking? Are you tempted? Any thoughts at all about playing for, I would assume, Team USA or possibly another team? Yeah. It was uh, honestly, it was hard to watch this one and not be a part of it. Um, you know, I'll be way farther along in my career. Um, I, I think there's a there's a pretty good chance that I'll be on that team. Uh, I really, I, I was going to do this team, but I, I kind of got talked out of it by some my my counsel talked me out of it. But uh, it would be really something really incredible to be a part of. I mean, watching sitting here and watching USA Japan, I felt like I was watching like a like a international soccer game, you know, it felt like, it felt like the whole world was watching it. So uh, to potentially get the opportunity to do that would be really, really cool. They, to, to drop a quick stat, they had, what I heard was 97% of TVs yeah. that were on yeah. in Japan, like on yeah. actively watching TV, were watching this game. That is insane. Like that's yeah. how like Japan got so, so much behind their team. Uh, I mean, it's really cool for them to win, but, course i was rooting for team i USA. like japanese baseball man I, I like what they're doing yeah hey, hey. They're, uh, they're super fundamentally sound and they're just uh they're breeding pitchers now these days I mean, all those guys are are good man and you know they're they're disciplined and fundamentally sound well lars newt bar I, I think i'm saying that right he plays for the cardinals uh he's he's half japanese uh, I don't think he grew up in Japan, but has has the nationality of it, and he chose to play for them this year. It, the fandom got so far behind him that he, I think, has a million Instagram followers after having sixty thousand before the tournament. It's insane. Wow. He has a, uh, yeah. a pepper shaker uh, grinder uh, um, uh, celebration that he would do, and the whole Cardinals got behind him with it. All of Japan's doing it now. The Prime Minister of Japan is doing it to celebrate <laughs> their win. It's insane. They're going crazy. Yeah. And hey, Nick, just to get you caught up on baseball because apparently you don't follow the Red Sox signed uh, a Japanese player who's playing a world baseball classic. Uh, I'm also cool. behind because I actually forget his name. Daisuke Matsuzaka. Uh, he, <laughs> no, it's not Daisuke. <laughs> Yoshima, <laughs> Yoshima. <Yeah. Dillon. laughs> He's an outfielder and he, he was hitting like, I think over 400 in the tournament, which is really cool and hoping he has a good season with the Sox or the um, Red Sox, I should say. Well, it's funny because yeah. the uh, when that game was going on, Hannah texted me right at the end and she sent me it was something like you know, we've completely disowned Mookie Betts now or something like that. Apparently he made a big error. <laughs> he grounded and... into a double play to get it to two outs. It, it was, it was no, it was, I think it was no outs one on and he grounded a double play and then Mike Trout went up with two outs, I believe. Gotcha. No but that was, correctly. that was an epic pitching hitter battle. And I, like I said, I don't follow baseball enough, but I know yeah. those two players are, and apparently I didn't know this. Uh, they play for the same team. Yeah, Otani and Trout yeah. play for the same team. Otani is he's from Japan. He was pitching yep. for Team Japan. He yep. is a pitcher and a batter. Yeah, he's like uh, the filthiest player. Yeah. Yeah, he's essentially yeah. Babe Ruth in today's game. There's actually a stat that I can't remember exactly what the criteria was, but it was pretty much the first person to like pitch in the ninth inning and bat in the game or hit a home run or, or do something special since Babe Ruth uh, in any major league baseball world best baseball so classic game. I, I have to ask Dylan because we just got off on baseball tangent here, which is more enjoyable for you? Like, does it feel like work talking about disc golf or is it like, it's fun. It's still fun. Cause you're a fan of the sport. I'm sure. Like, which is more enjoyable, the disc golf talk right now or the baseball talk? Uh oh. Something's going on. Uh, talk? I mean, the, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, the, uh, 
Me the disc golf talk, I think because it is uh, – Is Paul outside? Paul yeah, he's right outside. Oh, he's outside. Uh, the, disc golf, the disc golf is more fun in the sense that I, I'm getting to be really creative and sort of almost creative and be like an entrepreneur and kind of wear all these different hats that, you know, when I'm an athlete and baseball player, um, I'm focused on one thing and doing one thing. Where here I'm really getting to like – I'm getting to follow a passion and try to build something, which is really, really satisfying. And I just feel like it's such a unique opportunity with having a platform in baseball, having the, the capital that could potentially come along with baseball, um, my friendship with Paul and Discraft. I just feel like it feels like, you know, the world is my oyster in a sense with that, with, with all of those connections and, um, you know, just – just getting to do it is fun, man. And, and I want to see, I want to see disc golf go to the moon. So uh, I, I plan on, like I said, I'm going to continue to brainstorm, be as ambitious as I can. And honestly, I'm shocked we even seen your day talking about courses because mm-hmm. it's something I've been talking about for like two years. I was, Hey, how can I invest in disc golf? I want to get in disc golf. You know, I can put my money into stocks and it's just numbers on a screen, or I can go, build something that becomes a brand becomes something that's known and becomes something that excites people and, and gives people something to look forward to. So it's, this has been, this has been extremely satisfying from, uh, from, from my point of view. And, uh, I no, no, you're right out of time. <laughs> Whose clock was that? I don't know. What is, yeah. What is the oh, clock that? is what going off right well, now? I'm back inside and apparently it's nine o'clock. So, <laughs> It's like some grand, yeah, it's like, grandfather. Like, Come like on, time violation, Dylan. Yeah. You know, you gotta stop, gotta stop now. Paul's back. Speaking of timers, yeah. Dylan, uh, people in the chat keep hitting us stop. up. They keep saying, what do you think about this new uh, pitch clock or something? Yeah, I uh, I didn't, I wasn't a fan at first before seeing what it did, but I like it. Honestly, it kind of gives pitchers an advantage, and the games are going by in two and a half hours now, as opposed to three, three and a half. So action's quicker. Um, it seems like it's more crisp. And, uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's a mild advantage to pitchers, and I think it's it's mm-hmm. getting the game to be a little bit more exciting. Perfect. Perfect. All right. For some reason, like, your internet it seems like did something funky. We're hearing you fine. Your video's a little funny. Paul's back. Let's do this quick. Evan, know your ABCs. It's a little trivia game here. Let's get it going. All right. I I don't know if you played in the ABCs, Dylan or Paul. Uh, slightly different, but similar to stat or fiction. I'll uh, say a question, and I'll give you three potential answers, A, B, or C, multiple choice. You guess which one's correct. Uh, so let's start out with uh, Calvin Heimberg, who just won out in Houston. It was his first PDGA win in the state of Texas. Uh, outside of Florida, what U.S. state has Calvin Heimberg won the most PDGA events in? We got A, Arizona, B, Arkansas, or C, Georgia. What U.S. state outside of Florida has Calvin Heimberg won the most PDGA events in? So Arizona. You want me to start? Yeah. C. Go ahead. You can go. Nick Georgia. says C, Georgia. And then I'll say the answers again. It's A, Arizona, B, Arkansas, or C, Georgia. B, Arkansas. Yeah, I'm with intern Ben, B, Arkansas. Dylan, what do you think? Man, I'm going to go with uh, 
I don't think it's Georgia because I feel like I would have heard of that because I'm from Georgia and uh, I'm plugged into the scene. I play with Alden all the time at Woodstock in Sequoia. So I'll go Arkansas. You just name drop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just play with Alden Harris. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with A because no one else went with A. I know he's won the Memorial at least once, maybe twice. Dang. All right. I think we got, what was that? Two, two Bs. Two or three for, three for Arkansas. Arkansas. One, one for, for Arizona, Arizona, one for one Georgia. One for Georgia. All right. The correct answer is B, Arkansas. That was too Arkansas, easy. <laughs> yeah, it's not a yeah, trick question. He won three. He won Jonesboro twice and Vintage Open, I believe. My dude third. is from Florida. How does he not have four <laughs> C-tier wins in Georgia? Uh, he only has two wins in Georgia. One is Hall of Fame Classic that people probably know. He also has the Open at Callaway Gardens uh, in 2016. Uh, and then let's hop over to Arizona. He won. He actually only won once. I, I just realizing now that it was including All Stars, um, which I don't think we would count. Memorial would be the only one. I don't know if you included All Stars or not. Yeah, no. I, I would. Yeah, either way, it's it's not the correct answer, even if you were including it, because uh, three, three in Arkansas. <laughs> Going with Arkansas, Paul. Your wife. I, I don't know if you like. You got to be built different to win, Jordan. So. <laughs> your, your wife, Paul, is is uh, telling you to get your head in the game. Come on, get your head in the game. <laughs> All right, let's move it on to Statter Fiction number or not Statter Fiction. Excuse me, I haven't updated my template yet. <laughs> uh, know your ABCs. Question number two: Sayananda's best event rating on tour was this past weekend at the Innova Open at Texas States at nine ninety three. What was Sai's previous best event rating on tour, or what event was it at uh, from majors, elite, and silver events? We have A, 2021 Worlds, B, 2022 U.S. Women's, or C, 2023 The Open at Austin? U.S. Uh, I'm going with U.S. Women's. Me too, U.S. Women's. Me and intern Ben are the same people. <laughs> best event rating for Sayananda prior uh uh, on tour prior to this past weekend, A, 2021 Worlds, B, 2022 U.S. Women's, or C, 2023, the Open at Austin. Uh, we got two Bs. Dylan, on to you. I'm going to go Worlds. She seems like a, a clutch player. She wants that pressure, so we're going to go Worlds. U.S. Women's. I'm going Worlds. Oh, All right. We got B. two for Worlds, two, uh, three. three for U.S. Women's. Yep. Um, the correct answer is, let me switch my tabs. C, the open at Austin Whoa. was actually a 974 for her, a 966 at U.S. Women's. Uh, US, ben, there you go with the trick question. That's the one that people are going to think of with the uh, her really uh, standout finish. And then what she did she finished. finish at Austin? She took seventh at U.S. Women's. What did she take? I there? think it was ninth. I can pull it up real quick. Is, is Evan about um, to prove you wrong again, Evan? Let's go. Let's hear it. <laughs> no, I don't think no, no, so. No, no. I'm just she, curious. She but... got ninth. She got ninth. Oh, ninth. Austin. Oh, she got uh, ninth. What, did you get seventh yeah. at U.S. Women's? Seventh uh, at U.S. Women's, yeah. ninth at Open at Austin, and eighth at yeah. 2021 Worlds. But this was event rating. Yes. Uh, so Evan, uh, you just pitched a strike. How does it feel? Yeah, I I get a point on that one. Let's <laughs> go. <laughs> that's good. So, oh, that's a good point. All right. <laughs> the current 2022-2023 season. That's this current season with the wraparound events. Uh, has seen six different FPO winners through six events. Uh, this is the longest stretch of unique winners to start a Disc Golf Pro Tour season in FPO in history for the Disc Golf Pro Tour. Uh, 
What season had the previous longest stretch of unique winners to start the season? Uh, and that's from you know all standard stroke play events in the disc golf pro tour season so including uh elite and silver of course i feel what like see oh oh i gotta oh, give us yeah, yeah, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> we got a 2022 b 2021 or c 2019 Dang, what season dude, had the previous longest stretch of unique winners to start the season 19 the fact right, that Paul, Paul just said that, yeah, I know. but I, I feel like it was last year. So I'm going last year, 2022. I'm going 19 just because Paul, I'm playing the game. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I'm going to go opposite of both of them. So uh, I don't know. What were the other options? 19, uh, 2022, uh, 2021, or 2019. Paul has no points, right? Yeah. Correct. I don't know. It's two. Yeah. Okay. But no ben points. has a point. I have a point. Matt's got a point. And they're both picking the ones that it probably makes sense because it wasn't last year uh all right 2019 all right so we got paul 2019 we got nick 2019 I, i'm trying to uh get context to the answer did everyone else answer or you guys still have to no i I'm said 2022 but i think it i think it's 21 dylan you're gonna get this one then ben did you give an answer 19 19 we got a bunch of 19 well, see, well no then i gotta go 21 on if matt went 22 i gotta go 21 i did then. go 22 I, I think it's 21 oh, i can't change then. it okay so we got 21. we got matt with 20 22 we got nick and dylan with 2021 and ben and paul with 2019 i have that right yeah all right yes. the answer is 2021 with four 2019 had three uh 2022 had I think just two. Yes, because <laughs> Katrina won LVC and the Open at yes. Belton. Um, but in 2021, we had Paige Pierce win Las Vegas Challenge, Kona Panis, um, now Kona Montgomery win Waco, Katrina Allen win Jonesboro, and then Sarah Hokum win the Vintage Open uh, as four straight in a row. I knew it was post-COVID, but I was wrong with 2022. Yeah. I was going off the one that Paige Hsu won. She won 19, right? Um. Yeah, or but I think she. I don't think she won it was a disc golf pro tour event. I think it was a national. Oh, tour. we're going pro tour. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, I get uh, them confused. I'm used to them all being considered the same. Yeah. National that, tours and pro tours. That that is fair. I could run this for national tours and elite <laughs> events too. I understand. Uh, but 2021 is the correct answer. We got. What was it? Dylan and Nick. Yep. I have one point too. Oh, shoot. I wasn't supposed to give the, yep. uh, Wait, the rest everyone of Everyone has work. one point? Not me. I got zero. But I mean, like, nobody has more than one point. Well, Paul gets to enjoy points. his food now. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Dylan has no, two points? I got two points. No. Oh, that's oh, right. Oh, Dylan won. Yeah. Won. Okay. Champion. Nice. Oh, that's right. Because you got the, uh, the Arkansas one. Darn it. <laughs> yep. Sometimes, sometimes you're just different. And uh, I'm just happy to sit here in the winner's circle with all these <laughs> juggernauts. Um, I'm just, I'm humbled. Man. I'm really humbled. I, wow. I'm going to clip that out and opening day for the White Sox. I'll post it up and say, this pitcher, man, he thinks we're the awesome. We're the best. So. Oh, yeah. We're juggernauts. I, you guys you guys should have seen him earlier geeking out when I told him that Ken Klima was playing on his course. Yes. Nice. <laughs> How could you not be, though? <laughs> On his course. Wow. I go, yeah, Paul. We got Thomas Stewart. Paul. Paul goes, yeah, whatever. Uh, 
he goes, Ken says you're, uh, you know, says you're a legend or whatever. And I'm like, you're messing with me, right? You're telling me Ken Climo knows my name? Yeah. He goes, he's a top 10 pitcher in the league. Dude's a stud. Yeah. <laughs> and there you go. Dude, Dude. I got to call my mom. <laughs> Just like <laughs> call my mom. Ken Climo. <laughs> So, so okay, I, how many how many players on the Chicago White Sox could name what sport Ken Climo Ken Climo plays? If someone neutral asked them, Lambert zero. Um, yeah, that's that's zero. so cool though. That's zero. what makes it so awesome. Yes, that is so cool. Everything is relative, and that's the best part about this. Is like, I don't know. It's pretty cool. <laughs> All right. Well, we took a lot of your time. In fact, we didn't yeah. know we'd go this long, but honestly, the interview with Cy was great. And then you guys provided a lot of great information um, anytime. And I know you've said before, Dylan, you're like, yep, this is where I'll come. So we do appreciate that. And Paul, thank you for your time. Uh, incredible things are happening out there. And thanks for your insights. I'd ask where we can go and support you, but it sounds like it's lifetime memberships. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be sick. But uh, we'll have, uh, yeah. we're going to have merch too. Yeah. So. You know what, Paul? Hoodies, T-shirts. It, it doesn't matter. As long as yeah, I was gonna say money, we're, we're, we're just gonna, we'll uh, we'll keep you guys up to date when we do finally have a website and things like that, and we'll give a little bit of uh, we'll give um, we'll give some time before we actually drop all this stuff. You know that way, yeah, people are prepared for it, not not just out of the blue and and people mm -hmm. scramble, but that way people can uh, put on their calendars. Cool. Um, when we open this up, so sweet. Well, Dylan, best of luck pitching this season. We cannot wait to kind of follow along. I know Evan is obsessed with baseball, and so we can't wait to follow along your pitching season. Paul, best of luck at um, Third on the Mountain. And then for those who don't know, everyone's been talking about on Twitter, but Paul signed up for Music City, correct? That is correct. Yeah, I, had, I dropped out of Tallahassee, so I reached out to Jeff Spring and said, hey, I'm missing a tournament. Can I make a, make a stop in Nashville? And he said, mm -hmm. you want in, you're in. Is the finger all better? Yeah, it's just got a little mark. You see what? a little. I don't. It's probably too small. I'm to see. But <laughs> yeah. what's the name of that course in Nashville? I think I've played that one. Uh, it's it's on a park. It's, it's a, called Mill Ridge, I think, or something like that. Yeah, that, that sounds right. Something I think like it's that. A private one. Yeah. Oh, it is. I think yeah. So. Okay. I guess I haven't played it then. No. Which one? Do you, Do you know which one you've played? <laughs> is it Cambridge? Uh, it's it's. No, it's. I know it's the most. It's either the highly highest rated or most well known one in in Nashville. Next to the airport, Seven Oaks. Seven Oaks is next to the airport. No. No. Let me check. You guys yeah. do some more yeah, filler right now. Music City is definitely at Mill Ridge. <laughs> yeah, mu Music City is oh, at a course that doesn't get played by the public because I actually wanted to. There's the go. two popular courses because we played we played Seven Oaks and then the course that we play all the time is. Yeah. I'm blanking on the name of it. It's a little bit more north of the city, I think. Well, we're doing a little more filler talk. In Cedar, Cedar, Hill. Hill. Cedar Hill. Cedar Hill. That's what it is. Yeah. Yep. Cedar yeah, Hill. That one used to be part of the Music City Open. I think when it was yeah. a it's too, national it's too tour. too small, though. Yeah. 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 Well, anyways, thank you both of you guys for joining in tonight. Cannot wait to catch up and see how you guys' season, seasons go. And uh, best of luck. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having us, guys. Absolutely. Thanks, Peace, Peace out. Bye. All right, everybody. That was epic. If we were to make reels out of everything we just heard tonight, there's probably 25 reels. <laughs> that was just 55 minutes. No, not 55 minutes. Oh my goodness, an hour and 55 minutes. Right? Hour and 15. That was an minutes. hour and 15 of.
Evan, my Evan, you're on a struggle bus today. No, 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 no. Of, of are you on EST time? <laughs> no, no, get out of here. I'm saying back to back interviews. Side to Paul and Dylan. That was an EST. hour and fifty five. <laughs> that is funny, right? <laughs> is my math right? Time is hard, dude. You're on EST time. We don't know. You're not yeah. in the same dimension. For, yeah, we us. started at seven twenty with the interview, and we're ending at about nine twenty with you know. This is the end yeah, of the interview, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. The interviews are great, and I think that's you know where our show thrives a lot. We used to do a lot more talking about topics, which we'll eventually do again. This was an off week, and hey, if you line up Dylan Cease, and you line up Paul Macbeth, and you line up Cy, who's never been on the show before, great win. People want to know about her. It just is what it is. Um, but there's a lot going on in the chat. Um, we had a lot of topics listed out here, but we are kind of late, and um, I don't think there's too much more to go on about for tonight. Um, Matt, there are two big things that we do need to talk about, though. One of those being incredibly well-flavored, good-flavored, however you want to say it, Double G Craft Jerky. We absolutely love the folks from Double G Craft Jerky. Double G does an awesome job with the Children's Foundation, makes incredible jerky, and it's enjoyed by almost everyone who plays this golf and actually likes beef jerky. Be on the lookout for them. They have awesome new flavors coming out in the next few months, I would assume. They have some really cool things in the works that um, Ted from Double G Craft Jerky cannot wait to tell us about so that we can tell all He can't about wait? Them. As in he's like, he, he can't, can't wait. Like he has to tell us now. Like, like he he's got to tell us ASAP. Well, and uh, but anyways. Jerky is what keeps me alive lately. Yep. And Double G Craft Jerky, it's so tender, moist, succulent, flavorful, spicy, it's it's an amazing. I'm telling you, with the amount of travel I've been doing lately, I haven't been doing as much disc golf. As long as I eat a piece of jerky like every like half an hour, hour, I'm good to go. So Double G Craft Jerky, been with us yeah. for a long time. Go support them. They support disc golf, and yeah. uh, it's an. If you're a TD, thing. if you're a TD, check out their player pack items that they have on there. And then also, if you're looking to not have to worry about consistently ordering craft jerky, check out their subscription method. It works wonders. We get jerky every single month for the Nick and Matt show. We love it. We actually, Evan brought this up the other day, but we got to finish out that game that we started earlier <laughs> this year. We got to figure out the points. We got to figure out who's eating we the one play chip, one more. The spiciest uh, beef jerky. I brought it up because like I was winning. I yes. don't win at a, at a competition that partly, very smallly, includes disc golf. We have to play often. again. Nick has to so, come up and it's a grand, it's gotta, grand prix. It has like to it be nice weather. weather. I wasn't feeling It's got to be nice know. weather, decent weather, and it's I want to do that CTP challenge again, the augmented reality. One of our videos that people have loved for a long time will bring everybody in. Yes. I would like to bring in someone like Simon. I know you're out there in your home for a little while, but I don't expect you to be around when we make this, yeah. but like someone like Simon or someone we could bring in as a feature guest to try to beat us, you know, try to beat us. We'll see if that happens, but yeah. Hey, um, I got a quick thing to add yep. going back to the know your ABCs. I had to look it up real quick. The longest stretch of uh, national tours, pro tours, including silvers, the uh, longest stretch of unique winners to start an FPO season. 2021 is still it. If you include national tours, if you throw in a gotcha. national tour, it had Haley King win Texas State, so it would have pushed it to five. So even if you had Paige Shu winning the national tour of Vegas in 2019, it still goes to four before a repeat winner. So okay. you just wanted to prove Paul wrong. I just <laughs> when he was I mean, hey, <laughs> hey, no, I I don't I don't have to prove him wrong. I'm just adding additional context. I, he is an encyclopedia. Uh, he he knows so many things, and then it's just about putting it together. So that's what I'm trying to do. So exactly. Also, we want to give a shout out to Disc Golf Swag. Nick, tell us what we yeah. need to know about Disc Golf Swag. So this is on a huge personal shout out to them because they sent me this awesome 
Look this at is that. a buzz. Holy crap. This is a buzz. Now, this, you would think, is a normal dye job, but it's actually not. It is kind of like a picture printed on it. Um, all designs and colors are embedded into the plastic, so there's no scratching or anything. I can throw it at trees, and the actual disc is like the stamp of it is not going to get screwed up. They retain the same exact feel for them. They're using the highest quality plastic molds that companies have to offer. Um, works pretty much on any disc that is a premium plastic quality. So check them out at discgolfswag.com. Also use code Nick and Matt for 10% off. Uh, for everyone wondering, this disc actually, um, I'm kind of a big nerd. I love playing video games. I love watching anime. And this is from Naruto, if you're a fan of it at all. It is one of the Sharingans. I'm pretty sure it's actually supposed to be Madara's or Sasuke's. I I'm impressed, it's like, Chico, it's like the Chico Tomei, the um, Mengeko. I can't pronounce them all, but I actually, funny enough, this is just a random fact about me. I would love to learn how to speak Japanese. So I said that for like 10 years probably now and haven't tried to learn it. But that's one of the few languages in life that I actually would like to be able to speak and listen to and understand it. So, so. before we close out, Intern, our, our own intern, Ben, he made an appearance on Simon Lazat's uh, YouTube channel recently, yes. this last week. <clears throat> and we have never been more proud here at the Nick and Matt show of our own intern, intern, Ben. Thank you. What was that like? It was, it was awesome. And Simon's obviously a great person, great person to be around. He's just like he is on, on camera. They say, don't meet your idols. But if Simon's your idol, definitely meet him. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, it was awesome. I, I was just planning on recording for him, um, and he was just like, "Yeah, put on a mic." I, th none of it was planned, it, it, so big, big shout out to Simon. Uh, very grateful for the opportunity, and including me in something I was not expecting it to be included in. Well, hey, I'll say this too, in the kindest way possible. I'm the last one left of the show yep. who hasn't been on the vlogs. Yep. I, I thought hey, of that. I, I did get a shout out. I did get a shout out once during that um, wonderfully done quiz that went so, so well. Uh, <laughs> but have it. I mean, I don't want to be, I don't want to be playing disc golf on his, on his vlog. Anyways, it, I'm not good enough. Now, now if he's, listening, that out he's like, got to get him on. But ben, ben, you beat me there. Nice job. Well, thank you. I, I just I find it very entertaining. <laughs> and I think many have probably heard the story. But Ben, intern Ben, I see, I, I still call him Ben too, but intern Ben reached out to the show like a year and a half, two years ago? February is now. when I started. So yeah, I'd say like january -ish. A year ago. A little over 2021. a year 2021. And hey, Matt, I'm happy to help however we need at the show. You know, I think we could, we could do some cool stuff. And I'm like, I don't want to line up the wrong guy like I did with Evan. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. I thought you were going to say me. I was going to no. laugh. <laughs> I don't want to line up the wrong guy. You know, it's important for the show and all that. And I was like, you know, we'll we'll bring you in, but we're going to have you intern. We literally, I literally told you it was going to be an intern spot. Yeah. I was like, because we'll feel it out. We don't want it to be official and have hard feelings. I have to fire somebody. Right. Yeah. The time goes by and we just kept being like our intern producer, Ben, intern, Ben, intern, Ben. And eventually it was just like, this is who you are. And it's working on the show. Yep. People love intern Ben. So when it happened you. that you were on Simon Lazat's YouTube. Yes. And he goes, this is intern Ben. <laughs> like it just, it it's just synonymous, yes. synonymous with me now. I am intern Ben. It just, it literally cracked me up. I'm like, <laughs> Simon just said, here's intern Ben. So. He is now, I don't know, probably forever in disc golf. Probably. 
unless things just go really well, bad. Also, the thing, turn bad. The, the thing is, that's cool. Is like I'm okay with that because if I keep getting new opportunities, technically I'll just keep being an intern. Doesn't matter <laughs> if it's here or, or or filming with Simon or something like that. I'm just I'm just a sponge trying to get the disc golf knowledge. I'll always be it, an intern. Yeah, it doesn't matter though. Like it's now it's just your character name brand. I feel like you do something massive. You're running the pro tour, and people are like, "What's that intern Ben?" Like it's just. <laughs> It's just so cool. It's always the answer. So cool. Let's go. So anyway, shout out for that, man. Um, I think it had 150,000 views last I checked in three days. Yeah, that video popped off. Nothing to do with me. All Simon. Like, like, that's not because of me. The the title is Intern Ben is on the new vlog. But no, is that, lot- is that actually the title? No, no, no. it's like what what it, it, the title is. I think what discs I've been throwing yeah. the first three months. I, yeah, I was just planning on recording okay. it for okay. him, and then. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to say a lot of positive comments. Thank you so much for for I felt the love. It was really really cool to see. So thanks to everyone for spreading love and showing intern Ben, aka me, I, the support. I appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely, we're happy to have you on the show. It's like. People want you to talk more, and eventually you'll get there. But I'm okay with my yeah, role because what happens? It works. Yeah, what happens when you start talking more? You get ranked number nine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and with that, and with that, cue up. Pretty funny. That piano. actually is pretty funny. You felt the room, and it was good. I appreciate that. All right. We've made it. We're all just going to crack up and leave now. Um, all right. Let's you do it. Music, Nick, close this out. This was a long show, but it worked out. Music. Oh, you want the music? Here we go. Yeah. Here it's yeah. coming. Folks, thank you for tuning on to this lovely Monday night. We hope you enjoyed what is a lot of people saying their favorite episode so far. Sai Ananda coming on. Incredible, incredible guest. We are super thankful to have her on. And then Paul and Dylan being able to talk about what they are doing to bring stuff into the sport and kind of put their money back into the sport, which is just incredible to see. Uh, Once again, thank you for tuning in, everybody. Uh, Check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe to the channel on this video. All those good things. Appreciate you all being here. Tell someone you love them this week. Catch you in the next one. Give us a little bit, Ben. Mm, mm, Listen, they can mass show. Everybody wants to go to the Nick and Matt show. With that, everyone, intern Ben, you're awesome. Nick, you're awesome. Evan, you're awesome. Until next Listen, time, peace out, everybody. Mm-hmm.